0: Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Doctor Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 dilly d. Smack a gob, I'm Ricky Schroeder, and with me is. <laughs> Oh, yeah! Who's the black kid on Silver Spoons? Alfonso Ribeiro! That's me. Yeah, Silver Spoons. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Good good try.
1: And and Ian, with us, we got a special guest. Tell the people who's with
0: us. Oh, my God. Uh, Well, he's got a lot of bands, but probably most of you know him from Death Angel. We got the drummer Will Carroll with us today. Thank you, Will. Hey,
2: man. What's up, everybody? Uh, Pleasure to be here.
0: Oh, we'll see what you feel after you're done. Yeah, he said that a little too quick,
2: but uh, we appreciate you being here, brother. Yeah, man, uh, I love talking, you know, metal and rock. And, Boy, it's uh, the I can chop it up with the best of them. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I um, know this because me and Will have done like, well, like me and Will have on my other podcast. Didn't we do like a, a four-hour session once on one? Because we would do discographies, not just a fucking album
2: yeah i think it was one one of the who who discussions was like four hours long (laughs) yeah
1: yeah two parts two
0: hours you
2: know yeah (laughs) and i i'm particularly
0: excited because will i'm going to get to see you perform for the first time in april when you come to new orleans
2: oh Uh, right on Uh, are we playing the house of blues there or where are we playing
0: yes yes sir it was rescheduled and i'm so happy because when you were originally supposed to be here in october it was during the week. I was on call that week, and I had to miss it. But now you guys are coming back in April uh, with Exodus and Testament. And, I mean, what a fucking lineup. And this will be my first time seeing Death Angel. I'm so excited. And who knows? Uh, you know, if I- We'll see by the end of this episode. Maybe I'll get to meet you. Maybe I won't. <laughs> yeah, maybe you won't
1: be let in at the end of this
0: episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but uh, no, I'm really excited to see you, brother, and, and to see Death Angel, and and what a great tour you got going on. Uh, everybody, I mean, you know, totally. check it out.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, we're totally stoked. I mean, obviously, it's, it's taken a while because we had postponed it from this year, you know, so we're all itching to go, but we just played together uh, at the Fox Theater in Oakland a couple weekends ago, and that was sold out. It's a big place. I think it holds like 2,500, maybe more. And It's a beautiful theater, and yeah, it was a sold out show, and it was great. All all bands were firing on all cylinders. It was awesome.
1: I saw the clip of uh, Endless Time, seemingly Endless Time from that yeah. show. That was awesome. That's all I saw from the show, but some guy filmed it from the center in the back. I of- I don't know if he worked for you guys or or the tour or something, but it was like, it was really nicely shot.
2: And how was the sound quality? Sounded great. Killer.
1: It wasn't like the soundboard off it, but the guy had a good camera. The mic on the camera was really good. And also, not only did Ian get lucky because they switched the date where he can go now, but they also added a date to Orlando, Florida. So it worked out for me and you, Ian, because now I'm going as well. Because it wasn't coming to Florida before the postponement.
2: Yeah, it's pretty silly, awesome. you know, that, yeah. that we weren't going to be playing Florida the first time around. So that's awesome. I think we also added a show in Portland, Oregon, which is we weren't even going to go up to that region, to the Pacific Northwest. Uh, but uh, now we're playing Portland, Oregon as well. And I think Sacramento. And yeah, we added a few shows, so it's filling out. It's really, really killer.
1: Portland, Oregon. That, that, that sounds like a cool place to like find some field and eat mushrooms. You know the mushrooms are really good in Portland, Oregon.
2: Oh, totally. And there's like a million record stores in Portland. I mean, and a million bars. Uh, but yeah, there's tons of record stores up there. So it's a good place to for a nerd like me to go record shopping.
0: <laughs> On shrooms. On shrooms, right.
2: <laughs> well, if you like bars, we've
0: got a few here in New Orleans, man. <laughs> like, oh, right. There's like two record stores, you know, that I'd recommend, but plenty of bars.
2: Right. Wait, so when we play uh, uh, New Orleans in uh, in May or April, when, when's that show? A- April. And it's on a weekend, I take it?
0: Yes, and it's on a Friday or a Saturday. I, I know it's a weekend show, Killer. which is rare because uh, this is a market, unfortunately, a lot of people skip now, and, and it's even more rare that you get a show of this caliber on a weekend, so I'm super excited, and I'm going to be there. <laughs> Depending on how this goes, I might be in costume. Uh, but I will definitely right.
2: be there. Hey, <laughs> you know the last time we played the House of Blues in New Orleans was like maybe seven years ago and we played one of the small rooms. They have multiple size rooms. Oh in, yeah, there. yeah,
0: that small room. I saw Uli John Roth
2: in that room. Okay, yeah. so we, we played that small room. I forget who was touring with us. We had a couple of opening bands. It was a package. Maybe it was with three inches of blood, but I can't remember. Um, so we were playing the small room and after sound check we were headlining and after sound check uh we could hear music coming from the the big room the, the large room so ted and i walked over and opened up one of the, like the the balcony doors and walked into onto the balcony and it was cindy lopper doing her sound check and dude she is a fucking tyrant on stage man she was laying into her band it was like a female buddy Rich or some shit. Man. Like, oh, yeah. She she, I, I, she wasn't all nice and sweet how she norm, normally portrays herself. She was she was a taskmaster, it seems like oh, am like fucking hey, man. Like she usually <laughs> yeah, she's giving her band the, the the once over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you're not on time during she bop, she's gonna let you have it. You yeah, know? she's gonna bop you upside your fucking head. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes girls just gotta be caught on <laughs> oh man, hell yeah! Hey,
0: hey, we got any of those uh, iTunes reviews? No, no. I, I I wish we did. Maybe after this episode, will be kind enough to leave us one. But uh, <laughs> does anybody
1: does anybody go on iTunes anymore? Maybe that's I, the I, problem.
0: I I know that 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 is the problem. It's it's like nobody goes on Facebook. Kids these days, they want TikTok and all that shit. You know, we're on we're on a tired platform, but fuck it. But no, we don't have. I just checked; we don't have any new ones. But we still have a very high rating, so there's that. But fuck it, we might as well get into the news and some sad news to open (laughs) up. uh, Depending on whether you're a fan enough, but we lost one more monkey today. Michael Nesmith passed away, so now there is only one monkey. Yet somehow Sammy Hagar is still alive. There is no (laughs) god. Uh, you know, you know, poor Ken Mills is sad today. Uh, all we have left is Mickey Dolenz and Paul Stanley Slash and Rob Zombie and others have, uh, you know, posted their morning. I, I'm not a huge monkeys. Fan. I, I'm more of a fan of the show, probably, than the music. I I, I mean, I like him, but, you know, I'm not an Uber fan, but uh, yeah, sad to see him passing. And, and again, I, I get sad. Somebody that doesn't even I don't even know dies. And I'm mad that Sammy Hagar is still alive. And,
1: uh, He's worse than me, Will.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this motherfucker. But uh yeah, are either
2: of you guys monkeys fans at all? Yeah, um monkeys, well. Uh I liked the show when I was growing up, I loved it. I thought it was a hoot. Um and you know, I never owned actually that's not true. Someone in my family owned a monkeys record. I remember listening to Last Train to Clarksville when I was growing up. Uh, I didn't, I didn't dislike him, you know. I wasn't like a fan or anything, but I did love the show, and I respect Michael Nesmith because he was the only real musician in the bunch, and I think he wrote all those songs. And he actually tried to have a career in music after the Monkees, like a serious career, I believe. But uh, you gotta respect that, you know, being surrounded by a bunch of you know, frauds or whatever you want to call the other members in the Monkees. Like he was the only real musician in, in the four, so that's cool.
1: Yeah, I was. Um... I, I, I only like one song from them, uh, the Daytree Believer, but recently, like maybe a month or so ago, somebody donated for me to do the monkeys, first monkeys album versus the second one, and I had Ken Mills on the show, and, uh-huh. man, I had some appreciation for some of the songs. I mean, I didn't run out and buy the records or anything, but listening to it, I was like, wow, you know, the, these deep tracks weren't really bad, some of them. I, I was like, man, it's
2: not bad. You know the greatest mashup I've ever heard, man. Like even to this day when I it's a couple years old and I still hear it, I, I still laugh, man, but it's Iron Maiden's the Trooper mashed up with the monkeys I'm a believer.
1: Oh man. <laughs> Have you
2: ever heard that? No. Oh dude. It's called I'm a Trooper. <laughs> it's uh it's, uh, it's Basically the, the monkeys music with Bruce Dickinson's isolated vocal track right, yeah, over yeah, the monkeys yeah. music. And dude, whoever did it should win a, fuck a an award. You know, I mean it's it's well done. It's hilarious, man. And you know what? I never realized how much Bruce Dickinson is screaming his fucking head off on that song. Like yeah. he is screaming for the for his life, it sounds like. And when you hear his like track this isolated with the timid monkeys music underneath <laughs> it it's like holy shit, man <laughs> and yeah and they even have the the solo break from a, from the trooper over the monkey's music and that sounds wacky with like adrian's yeah. guitar <laughs> it's it's really funny man so i think that's my favorite monkeys moment <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> there you go I, you know there's a guy on on youtube and it's probably his creation because this dude has hundreds of them and it's okay. all perfect. I haven't seen that one yet, but my favorite, he's done. you got to see um, the mashup of Hellbent for Leather with Heartbreaker. It's it's not really funny, but you listen to it, it makes so much sense. Which, the melody,
2: which, which Heartbreaker? Led Zeppelin? or No, uh,
1: uh, yeah, Led
2: Zeppelin. Okay. I was thinking, the Rolling Stones have Heartbreaker? Oh,
1: yeah, that's true. Yeah,
2: yeah. Da, 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 okay.
1: But no, the melody of Heartbreaker matches the 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 you know the the chorus and the, and the, um the verses match perfectly huh. to, to hellbent for leather okay you know, it's not really funny but it's it's awesome actually it's really so awesome.
2: is it is it the zeppelin music or the priest music
1: it's the priest music with the zep with,
2: with the isolated, with robert plant okay <laughs> uh, isolated
1: robert plant vocals yeah okay a, <laughs> a, i bet you anything was the same dude because that guy's a genius he's done uh, dancing machine, Jackson Five with a camera, on Mean Street from Van Halen.
2: I've seen yeah. I see that one. I've heard yeah. that one. Yeah, that yeah. shit was awesome, man.
1: But hey, uh, other than that, uh, rest in peace, Michael Nesmith.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh, totally. It, you know, like Will pointed out, you know, he he called uh, you know Nesmith a uh, 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 actual musician uh, surrounded by frauds. And he's the opposite of Sammy Hagar, who was <laughs> surrounded by musicians in Van Halen. So, a, a irony is a motherfucker. But uh, speaking of somebody, uh, I, I hope this isn't serious. And Ralph, you might know something about this, perhaps. Uh, Inge Malmsteen postpones shows on U.S. tour, but they say it's non-COVID related.
2: Uh, oh, this is the first all- time I'm hearing this yeah uh because yeah I, 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 I have a friend uh who was at the show last night in, in l.a she was going to shoot it and the the two opening back uh, opening bands played and then he decided he was sick and couldn't do the show so it didn't get canceled until like 10 o'clock at night or some shit you know <laughs> wow. wow yeah
0: and 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 to and to find out that it's not covid related is kind of scary and I feel bad for whoever is the proctologist because that's one irritating asshole that's hard to cure um, <laughs> right there. Oh, uh,
2: I was stupid. waiting for it. I thought you were going to throw in the Sammy Hagar joke right there. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah,
1: <laughs> it's, it's an asshole.
2: You know, cause yeah. I feel like if, if it's not COVID, I'm really worried for Inge because, you know, Sammy Hagar is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So they have that in common. Uh,
0: but yeah, oh. let's uh, let's let's hope it's nothing uh, life threatening, and uh, oh. Inve can uh, can sing and piss off a lot of people who paid money. So uh, did, did,
2: did he did he cancel the rest of his tour? Is that what you said?
0: Yeah, yeah, they're they're postponing the U.S. shows. So as of now, uh, you know, no statement. All they've released is that it's non-COVID related.
2: Huh. Interesting. Wow. Well,
1: after after we're done here, I'll, I'll be calling Brian, their drummer. Cause he's my buddy and he's in my band. You, see, you like what I did there? I did kind of like an Eddie Trunk name dropping thing. Yeah,
2: yeah. There what you the? Go. The, the, what, the drummer for Inve is in your band?
1: Yeah. He, he's oh, okay. In, he's in. I, I had a side band called Combat. He was on that, and now he's in Thrasher Die. Oh wow! So yeah, he's uh, an amazing drummer, and he also I gotta do a plug. He's got another band called uh, Midnight Spell that released an album in January. Um Called uh, Sky Destroyer, that, you know, man, you got to hear this. Like a lot of our listeners, Ian, are, are, have bought it and are fanatic, Like Mick Watkins is always praising it and a few other people, you know, that that actually bought it. If you like Judas Priest, okay. totally, I'm sure you'll dig it. You know, All right. The
2: great thing, did, did, did their ha- hey, latest release come out in vinyl? Yes. All right, cool. I'll check it out, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah you'll, you'll definitely love them next Xbox. You can hear them on YouTube. The whole album's up on there.
2: Awesome. I, I tell you the
0: greatest thing about, you know, uh uh what's his name? Brian uh Wilson. Brian Wilson, yeah. Uh so when he does an interview now and he says, oh, my lead singer's an asshole, you can always say he's talking about yeah, <laughs> 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 Not me.
1: Yeah, exactly. Don't don't point that <laughs> at me.
0: It's Inve He sings it <laughs> out. Like, uh all right. Uh, more sad news. Smashing Pumpkins Billy Corgan joins cameo to raise money for PAWS, a Chicago no-kill shelter. And man, can you think of a more depressing cameo? I mean, who would want to talk to this guy? <laughs> I I I mean, so, wah, wah. Like who's going to pay money for that shit? How many no dogs are going to be saved by this? <laughs> this is terrible. Oh my god. Cameo, who who'd pay money for that? I, I, I would rather pay money to talk to the band cameo and, and have them thing, <laughs> you know, Word Up, than talk to that, that sad sack of shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Well, Tom G. Warrior, also known as Tom Gabriel Fisher, um, clarified comments he made earlier this week about something Frost tribute shows, saying it would not be a permanent project. But he would like to do some shows as a tribute to his partner, you know, uh, Martin Eric. Is it A Aon or, or Aaron? Ain, Ain. A- 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 um you know, which you know, it's kinda hard to have Celtic Frost without Martin. Because, I mean that was like you know, the Steely Dan, the Walter and Becker. It was really those two. But I would not be opposed uh to go seeing a show where, you know, they're playing Celtic Frost. I would love that shit. How about you guys? What do you think?
1: Oh yeah, fuck yeah. I, I love I-, I love Celtic Frost, but you know, he, he made it clear. You know, it's just going to be a couple shows for a tribute, so it's like, uh, yeah, I still want it to happen. I'm happy it's happening, but I'm not happy it's not happening next to, you know, like two hours from here, you know? So I won't get to see it, but I did see the reunion shit. I saw him back on the in, Into the Pandemonium tour, too. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I got to see him at least. But yeah, uh, for, to do a tribute and then, you know, film it so I can buy it and, buy, and listen to it, you know, I'm all for it because
2: I, I love something. Else. Yeah. Um, I, the only times I got to see them were on the both legs of the Monathia store, their their comeback album from like the mid-2000s, which is a great album. amazing. I love album.
1: that album. And I saw it twice. Once headline and once open for Type O Negative.
2: Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, <laughs> and uh, both times were great. Um, and, you know, I love Triptychon too. And it's kind of a, a continuation of what they were doing on So Those albums could easily be called Celtic Frost albums. Right. right. Um, so we kind of do, still do have Celtic Frost around, uh, in, in that in that respect. As far as hearing the classic songs, yeah, dude, hell yeah, I would love to go see a show where they brought up, you know, Reed St. Mark on drums, and you know, Kurt Victor Bryant and the uh, different people, so Stephen Priestley on drums if they had a bunch of those past members come on stage past living members i should say um i would definitely be into seeing that and hearing the old songs man that'd be fucking awesome
1: that would be the oh. real proper way to do it too you know
2: yeah oh fuck
0: yeah and i and i never got to see them at all uh, unfortunately i missed the reunion tour it, it where i was living at the time it didn't play but I love that album, and I am a fan of Trypticon. If I remember correctly, though, Ralph, you weren't a big fan of Triptychon? No, yeah, no, no, I always
1: liked them. I never said it. Oh,
0: okay, okay. I believe okay. they were even my
1: pick of the week with the first one that came out.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. right on, right on. Yeah, I would love it. Fuck, I don't care if they play Cherry Orchards. I'd be like, right on, right dude, on.
2: I, I mean, I'm not trying to be hip here or, or be oh, that guy. That, one of that, those. That, no, I don't want, yeah, I'm not trying to be one of those guys, but, dude, I love Cold Lake. Man, I that album feel
1: like rocks, man? Man. Yeah, man, I, I can't get into it. And it's not the look, Will. A lot of people think that, uh, cause, you know, just because they look that way. No, man, dude, seriously. I mean, can't you tell, like, a huge difference, though, musically?
2: Well, obviously, I mean, yeah, the, the musical direction's going towards the, the L.A. sleazy hair metal style, but it still sounds like Celtic Frost, kind of. I mean, some of those riffs are, are kind of wicked, kind of evil-sounding, like, it's, like, you know, glammed up, but there's still, like, minor chord progressions, and uh, it sounds like Salted Cross to me, man. A well, different you know version. what?
1: I, <laughs> I am going to give it another shot. I am going to give it another chance, Will, but I'm going to have to find heroin before I do that.
2: Okay. I get just heroin. <laughs> do you like the follow-up, uh, Vanity Nemesis? That'll no, grip.
1: No, I never heard it, dude. I, I really, really cut off to the, to the reunion album. <laughs>
2: Okay, so Vanity Nemesis is definitely heavier and like more of a thrash album, and it even sounds like Ride the Lightning era Metallica at times. But there's still glammy moments, like there's still some like spillover from Cold Lakes. But that's a really heavy fucking album, man. I, if if you don't want to try giving Cold Lake a second chance, I understand that. But you should check out Vanity Nemesis, man. Great yeah, I will.
1: I never heard that one, so yeah, I, I definitely will. And I'll Great. remember when I edit this. I'll make a note.
0: Okay. All right. Well, more uh sad news for me, Ralph. I know you won't give a shit. And Will, I don't know where you stand. If uh,
1: somebody died, I do give a shit. You know, even if No, I no,
0: no, care. no, 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 It's it's not a death, but it's a postponement. Oh, bummer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Faith No More has canceled all their European, Australia, and New Zealand New Zealand dates. Do I understand uh,
1: this correctly, Ian? That um oh, what's the singer's name again? Mike Patton uh, he's suffering some kind of mental problem. That's why they
0: postponed it. Yes, uh, initially, that's why dates were postponed. Uh, they're really kind of vague on the announcement of this. It just says they can't play, uh, cause they can't give a hundred percent right now. Now, I don't know if that has to do with COVID restrictions or if that's with Mike Patton's ongoing uh, mental state at the time. Um, uh, but even though this wasn't going to hit the States, uh, as a faith, no more fan, I would really love to see them out playing, uh, you know, eventually making new music and, uh, and either way, you know, I, 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 hope that Mike Patton's okay. Cause I am a huge fan. Will, are you a fan of faith, no more at all? Is that in your wheelhouse?
2: Um, I really love the album, angel dust for sure. Like that, right. album, that album's great. Um, I don't listen to all their stuff. Uh, I don't follow them too closely, but I do love the album uh, *Angel Dust*. Fucking awesome. You know, right
3: uh,
1: uh, Ian, um, maybe Mike has been—he um, probably has the same ailment me and you did when uh, me and you have when when we found out <laughs> when we found out Sammy Hagar joined Van Halen. Maybe he suffered <laughs> <Yeah>. from that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah. fucked
1: us up, Will.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was out of commission for a good decade. It really
2: fucked me <laughs> up. Yeah. You know, I, I have a funny Van Halen story. Um, <clears throat> my uh, my fiance uh, was temping at some. Oh, she was tempting at Sky vodka. She was working the the front desk, and uh, this is when Sammy Hagar was like selling his tequila brand to Sky vodka oh. that huge that huge deal or whatever, and mm-hmm. she knew. She knew that he was coming in the next day, so she wanted to surprise me. Like she had no idea what how I felt about Sammy Hagar. This is like when we first started dating a long time ago. And we uh, she she grabbed a Van Halen album to get an autograph, <laughs> but she she brought it Van Halen
1: once.
2: <laughs> <Fire> <laughs> <off>. <laughs> D- D- oh. Uh but she, she realized before uh, before she walked up to him that he wasn't on that record so it didn't happen you know but i'm glad oh. it didn't happen she probably would have gotten fired <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: no no i was gonna say marry that girl because the ball's on her you know and, 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 and then she realized oh no this singer has talent oh shit, you must be <laughs> on the other album
1: I, uh, if i was to meet san diego i'd make him sign like a five-finger death punch album for me
2: <laughs> you know, I've never heard I have never heard that band before. Yeah, you lucky you. Yeah. I've never heard a single song, not a single note. Oh,
1: I know you're in a band, you're a popular band, you and it's a good thing you
0: haven't, because you can't join a yeah. single How Much They Suck.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: And that's how you beat COVID. Uh, <laughs> five finger death punch. That's that's some terrible shit. Five
1: finger what? death punch, five finger death punch makes God smack sound like God smack.
0: Uh, that's true well well here's good news about a band that doesn't suck uh crowbar announces a new album zero and below is going to come out in march and i'm very excited about that unfortunately crowbar's been playing a lot of local shows here that that i've had to miss this last round but man always put on a good show uh always put out stellar albums a huge fan of this band and they are incredible guys are uh, you, you a fan of Crowbar, Will?
2: Oh, yeah, man. I used to see them a bunch of times in the, in the 90s when they used to tour a lot. Like back then, when they first came out, first like you know, five, six years or whatever, ten years, they were around, they were touring on a regular basis, it seemed like. And I would go see them every time. Killer, killer, heavy, heavy stuff, man. I love it. I was,
1: well, I, uh, I, I was never really a Crowbar guy till I saw them open for S.O.D. in 99. And holy shit, that was it, mind-blowing because that was the first time I saw them and he thought, it was so good. I didn't really hear enough about them I have the solo album Kurt Weinstein put out a couple years ago. Oh, I love it, it. I love it. I have it on vinyl. It's really really good
0: mm. Yeah That's and cool. and, uh,
1: People I need
0: one I'll tell you this uh If they're not on tour, I know they will be at your show at the House of Blues uh, Oh sweet. Yeah,
2: I'd love to meet them man.
0: Oh man, they, they come out to all the local shows actually the first time I ever met Kirk was uh, at a Testament show at the House of Blues.
2: Cool, man. Real, you know, real, I real think, good people. I think the first time I saw them, they were touring with Boy Vod, maybe. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I think it was during the like, like Negatron era or something. But, yeah. Uh, how many original members are still in the band, you know?
0: Uh, Well, you know, from back in the day, it's re- really just Kirk. But, you know, the guys... Uh, you know, uh, Matt, the guitar player, Tommy, the drummer—they've been there, oh shit, uh, got it at least fifteen plus years.
2: Wait, uh, I know, I know Tommy. Wait, was he in Soylent Green? Yes,
0: yes. Oh, I know Tommy. Fucking great guy, man. I love that. Oh yeah, I love, oh,
2: that, yeah. Super I love nice that
0: guy. And, and what I, what I do love about you know what's left of the New Orleans metal scene is you see these guys at every metal show. You're going to see the guys from Crowbar. You're going to see uh, Sammy from Goat Whore and Acid Bath. Yeah, yeah. Ky- Ky- Kyle Thompson from uh, Thomas, uh, from Exhorter. And uh, he also sings for, um, God damn it, Trouble. Uh, you you see these guys in all the shows. You know, you'll see the other guys from Down and stuff. So it's right. really cool. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be one bit surprised, at, you know, if, if they were there at the show. But I'm very very excited about that. Uh awesome. and, and what I love about that, you know, Sam, you know, you're from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh legendary metal scene in the in the Bay Area from Oakland and San Francisco. You mm-hmm. guys all pretty tight and go and support each other's shows and stuff.
2: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: Totally. It seems like that. I'm I'm friends with uh Chris, how do you pronounce his name uh Kantos? Oh
2: yeah, I, I love Chris. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and, and I always see Chris is always going to all the local shows and stuff, and I think that's awesome that all the musicians show up and uh, support each other. I think that it's great for the scene.
2: Yeah, I just saw Chris um, this past Saturday. <clears throat> I DJed a uh, Mordred's record uh, record listening party in Oakland, yeah. and um, and yeah, he came out to that. A bunch of people came out. Death Angel guys came out, and uh, yeah, it was a really cool cool little party. But yeah, it's a very tight knit scene. And uh, we see a lot of each other, for sure. I was supposed to meet
0: up with Chris. Uh, I went to the Bay Area for a Raiders game. I, I'm a lifelong Raiders fan. And okay. I, was supposed to, I was supposed to meet up with him and Gwen, his wife. Uh-huh. And I got so fucking trashed that, uh, yeah, it didn't happen. <laughs> I texted him back later. I'm like, I'm so sorry, dude. We were supposed to meet in the parking lot and it didn't fucking happen. And now maybe we'll meet up in Vegas, god damn it.
2: Yeah, how, right. are you, how are you a Raiders fan? I mean, why aren't you a Saints fan?
0: Oh, well, well, I'm not from New Orleans. I've been oh, here okay. since 08. The funny thing, for the most part, I, I was born and raised uh, in the Chicago area. But 78, 79, or yeah, 79, 80, I lived in California. And the Raiders were just like the meanest, nastiest fucking team. Mm-hmm. And I gravitated towards them. And the whole rest of my family disowned me because they were all Bears fans. But Uh, I've been a Raiders fan since then, and, you know, uh, that's it. But I've traveled to the Bay Area a couple times to see Raiders games at the Coliseum. And, uh, yeah, I'm fucking hardcore. And and, and I don't know if you know this, but we lost two weeks ago to the Cincinnati Bengals because Sammy Hagar played the fucking
2: halftime show. I saw that. I saw that. I was like, what the hell? What the fuck? Like, well, what's the connection? Why is he performing at
0: this? I, I didn't understand well, that. He gives
2: good He He's doing this Las Vegas
0: residency because he's trying oh, to copy A okay. again. So he was there, you know, and that combined with the fact that the Raiders suck, uh, we lost the game. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's fucking horrible. Fuck Sammy Hagar. And his fucking ass. You know what? You're from the Bay Area. What are you, 49ers or are you Raiders?
2: Oh, I'm Niners all the way. I, I got to say, uh-huh. I hate the, I hate the Raiders. Oh,
0: oh, oh. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry.
2: Right. sorry. I fucking hate them. Uh, that's our right. That's
0: All right. All right. All all right. right. To I, I to think this is gonna work out. To both, both.
1: Well, to make you both feel better, I I, I hate the Raiders and the Niners. So there you okay.
0: go. <laughs> all right. Enough of this shit. Next story. I'm I'm heartbroken. All right. Uh, <laughs> today? What What do we got? What do we got here? I'm looking. Oh, I got one. Oh, you got one? Okay, go ahead.
1: Voivod released a new single today, Planet Eaters, and it's... Did you yes. see it, Will? I sent you a link.
2: Oh, yeah. I, I listened to it. Uh, I listened to it on my phone, so I can't, like, give a good like, okay. a, a, a good review of it because it sounded awesome It's on awesome. my phone, and it sounded great.
1: Yeah, dude, it's, and it's a trippy, total video of Voivod, all animated with, yep. you know, the alien shit. To me, like, w- what we're talking about tonight, what's the cult. Dude, Voivod yes. is the metal boys to call if you really think about it because i mean they boys the cult doesn't really go i mean they go they do a lot of changes but they're not so off the wall like Voivod, but Voivod has the same vibe they're mysterious with the aliens and shit sure you know sure. i see a big connection with boycott Boy bliss call where they don't sound not like i uh, like you know ghost but they don't sound like what's cult but they have that same wackiness in their fucking music you know absolutely <clears throat> oh, so that's that's my news, Ian.
2: Voivod's new uh, the, video the, the, the awesome. vocal, The vocal line on the new Voivod song, that's the hook, man. The the vocals yeah. are great. It's yeah. great.
1: Yep, and it goes through those wacky changes that I love so much, man.
2: Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah uh, I haven't heard uh, the single yet, but I'm looking forward to their new album uh, called Fuck the 49ers uh, Radio station <laughs> Rules. Uh, so I, I, I think it's 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 going to be a good album. Okay, all right, next story. Next story, Ted Nugent to D. Snyder. When you're ready to be a man and apologize, I will expect and accept your apology. Uh, now this goes back to a comment that D. Snyder made about being happy that Ted Nugent, uh, an anti vaxxer, got COVID and uh. You know, you know. Unfortunately, Uncle Ted survived. I, I'm kidding. I'm am kidding. I, you know, I'd, I'd rather Ted. That that's how much I hate Sammy Hagar. I'd rather Ted Nugent be alive, than, uh, <laughs> and and his shit. Yeah,
3: but
0: but, Ted uh, Nugent did stranglehold, man. Yeah, that that's right. You know, I you know. You know, it's kind of like, I can forgive all the kids that Michael Jackson fucked because I love these decent thrillers. And and, and and I'm the same way with Ted Nugent. Uh, you know, hey, you know, his 70s shit, you know, I'll, I'll forgive all the other shit. But what I thought was really funny is he put out an, uh, a lyric, um, one of those lyric videos, where, it, you know, it's like a fake video that shows lyrics. He put out, yeah. it, it, it's a terrible song called uh, like Cold Dead Hands or whatever, or come and take it. Something about, you know, I dare you to come take my guns. And I, I thought it was great in the comments section, which is usually horrible and blabbermouth. Uh, a, a U.S. veteran wrote, I will accept your apology for putting all this military shit in your video when you're a known draft dodger. Uh, so, <laughs> I thought that was great. And I, I, I would love to see a fight between D Snider and Ted Doge. I love them both.
2: I, I, th- I think they're both great. Um, I, I love D. Snyder. I, I love Twisted Sister. And I know D. Snyder is quite outspoken. Um, but he's usually, he, I mean, not usually, almost 100% of the time I agree with everything D. Snyder says. I think he's very rational and has a good head on his shoulders, very smart. And Ted Nugent, uh, I just I just can't stand the guy. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm not glad he got sick. And, you know, yeah. I'm not wishing him to die or anything like that. But I... Can't stand the fucking guy. Did, did you like his music? I think, I think the world would be a better place without him. I'll put it that way. <laughs> but, did,
1: but did you like Ted Nugent's music back in the day?
2: Not, not enough to to uh, turn a blind eye or ear to stupid shit he says all the time. I don't think I it's mean, that good. You know, I you know. He, I,
1: I thought his seventy shit was great, and in the seventies he didn't really let people know how right wing he was. You know what I mean? He wasn't outspoken yeah. at all. You know, so. But I thought the Sunday shit was great, but he lost me after that. Right. Except for one album. But yeah, you know, whatever. I mean I I separated, but music did not intrigue you, so there you go, you know.
2: Yep, yep,
0: yep. Alrighty. Well, next story. Phil Demo uh demo talking about the new violence EP says it's definitely my best playing I've ever that's ever been recorded. And I you know, I've said this on the show many a times. I love violence music. I cannot stand Sean Killian's vocals. But, you know, I, I, I dig the music. Uh, Will, I, I'm sure you know the guys in Violence. Are you excited about this new EP? Uh, I am. Um, and I love,
2: love Sean Killian's vocals. Um, Eternal Nightmare is my favorite Bay Area thrash album. And, <laughs> Mine uh, as well, man. Yeah, it's fucking just relentless just insane uh and i think his vocals just add a level of of like a hyper tense insanity to, to this already hyper fast music so i think it's a good marriage but um yeah i'm excited about the uh the new ep for sure i'm i'm curious to see what they're going to come up with you know um i wasn't really into their uh their holiday in cambodia remake i mean it wasn't bad but uh, i'm just I, i'm totally expecting more from him i want it was, there, it was an, yeah, it was
1: it was something else. It was another Dead Canning song. It wasn't- Excuse cu- me, it
2: wasn't Holiday in Cambodia. It was California Uber Uberellas. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: yeah. And, and it was it, okay, but uh, I, I'm, I'm excited about hearing yeah, their, their original it, music.
1: It didn't sound like violence to me. Look, uh, and anybody that listens to the show knows that, you know, violence like my favorite thrash band of all time. I love them, but God damn it, man. How long have we been hearing about this goddamn EP? It's been I genius, agree, man. And it's a fucking <laughs> and it's a fucking EP. You know, it's not oh. even a full length. It pisses me off. And, and I gotta say, man, look, I'm honest. You know, I love them. I, I, I went to I went to Oakland twice to see. Uh, I saw one of the reunion shows. Will I don't know if I ever told you that. I, I went yeah, yeah, I... yeah. I, I went there during the daytime. I love them, but man, not only that cover song, it wasn't like whatever. They, they showed a clip of them doing a, a, a live song, a debut of the... EP. It didn't sound like the classic shit, man. It was better, but it wasn't Crazy, Furious, you know, the violence I love. It wasn't I... Right. Or, you know, well, fucking uh, Fogophobia. It was, it was very different, you know? It wasn't even like... But it was better than Nothing again. I'll tell you that, you know? It was better than... <laughs> but, but, yeah, it's an EP, man. It, it's like... Oh, I'm waiting all this time, and, and now Bobby Gustafson, <clears throat> excuse me, now it's time for Eddie Trump Theater. Uh, a cool friend of mine, you know, he lives down here and we hang, and he did a solo on, on the Overkill cover we did. He's in the band now, you know, so I'm very excited to see what he does, because I love those first three Overkill albums. I think he fucking oh. rips on it, man. Oh, yeah. First, first,
2: four.
1: Four, first four. Year of Decay being my favorite. That kill fire. But uh, I'm excited for it, but it's gotten to the point where I'm now I'm like just downright frustrated with the whole thing, you know.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't know what the holdup is. I haven't heard anything uh, through the Bay Area Thrash Grapevine about taking so long, but uh, yeah, I'm still I'll be I'll be stoked to finally hear it. Right?
0: Well, you know, I, I, I've got a little inside info, and uh, apparently, uh, it's taken a while because Sean Killian's trying to learn how to sing. Uh, and were, I, I'm kidding, I, I, I will say this, I, 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 even though I'm not a fan of his vocals, uh, I, I think Sean Killian seems like a cool dude, and, and what a what a great story about how he's overcome all his health problems. I think that's awesome, I wish this guy nothing but the best. I'm excited to hear it too, because I love, uh, you know, Demo, uh, Bobby... Uh, they also have uh, Christian Obo Wobble or whatever the fuck his name is from Fearback who's an awesome musician, and Bobby Dahl on bass. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah no, no,
0: it's yeah, I think it's Christian, but uh, but no, I'm I'm gonna give it a, a fair chance because you know there's been other bands, you know, I've I've talked about this King Diamond. I couldn't stand it first, and now I love his voice. Maybe one of these days I will come around to Sean. It just hasn't got there yet, but uh, I am excited about the EP. Even if it's just for the music, I want to hear, you know, that guitar duel. Yeah,
2: yeah. Right on. be
0: awesome. All right. (laughs) This is pretty funny. Uh, Nikki Six uh, is talking about how great Motley Crue is, and he says Vince Neil has something that nobody else has. Yeah, you know what uh, that is? Two stomachs.
1: Uh, uh, Also, what it is is that no singer out there can... uh, you know, cause manslaughter in a car and not serve any time in jail. <laughs> Name another singer that's done that. Nope. Can't do it. That's what Vince oh. Neil has
2: in no ever had. Oh God. When is this band going to go away? Wait, I, I, so I, I, so what, what exactly is the story? Nikki Sixx was saying what about Motley Crue?
0: Well, he was talking about how, you know, Tommy Lee is a monster on drums and uh Mick Mars is one of his favorite guitar players. And he said Vince Neal has something that nobody else has. And and I, I would agree he has the ability to uh half fill stadiums with uh with no voice. They, they, right. that is amazing
1: talent. <laughs> the guy the guy dude, I saw it. It was something like forty thousand dollars to book Vince Neal to play. I don't know, man. You pay somebody $40,000 they go up there and half-ass it and then he keeps doing it all across the fucking country with 40000 here $40,000 there. Dude, Vince Neal's a pimp man. He don't give a fuck. He don't care a fuck what he looks like. He goes up there he doesn't even fucking sing and he makes 40 grand and you know why most people I'm telling you if you were to take a poll at a Vince Neal show who would go see that like twenty percent are you know those uh pooch that don't know no better but the other 80% is there for the train wreck. People love train wrecks. And they, they're they there to put up their cell phone and film the shit and put it up. on. And you know it's going to end up on Blabbermouth the next day. You know, Vince Neal does a show and, you know, and people be goofing on it. But to me, I don't get it. Vince Neal's been this way for, like, way over a decade. And now people are catching on. You know, there's that real famous clip where they add... Subtitles to what Vince Neal's singing.
2: Oh, yeah. To I've kick seen some that. Dude,
1: yeah. how long ago was that fucking concert shot? At least yeah. five, six years. That was before the Fell World Tour, which was six years ago. So it's like maybe 10 years ago, that fucking video that, that he sounds like that. I don't see the difference. I think his voice has held up just like that than it has now. You know, he's no worse. It's fucking Vince Neil. And he makes 40 grand a fucking solo show. How insane is that?
2: That is, yep. that is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Is isn't isn't his band now? Yeah, it's the Slaughter
1: yeah. band. It's the band that's huh. in Slaughter now. That Slaughter lineup.
2: Oh, okay, okay.
0: That's great. He gets forty grand, uh, you know, play that, and and you and I rather have to work day jobs. Yeah, uh, that that's terrible. No, that's but terrible. Dad, Don't
1: don't we don't you wish, Ian? We can fucking go backstage eat a bucket of KFC, down it with some fucking gravy and fucking uh wild turkey, then go up on stage and just slobber around and sing half the words, walk off stage, and they hand you a check for 40 grand? I don't know about yeah. you, man, but I'll do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do that at work now when I get paid shit. You know, that's terrible.
2: Hey, you know, it's funny. I always hear like, the KFC jokes about this deal. Is there fact in that? Did he really get a bucket of chicken backstage? Is that true? No, no. I, okay. don't, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I've heard that KFC joke four yeah. times in regards to this.
0: No, series. no, no. It, it, it's a sad state of, of the rock world these days. KFC endorses Five Finger Death Punch. <laughs> I'm Holly okay. Yeah, and, terrible. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, come on now. Yeah. All right, all right, all right, all right. Well, that's enough news. Let's get it. We gotta before we get in the album. We got to celebrate our special guest today, Mr. Will Carroll. Uh, You you have a uh, a very storied career, a very interesting career. Uh, You know, one thing I want to point out is you did something that's that's really hard. You replaced uh, an iconic member in in a band. Can I, can I
1: stop for one second? Yeah, and I'll let you go. I'm sorry to cut you off. You know, Will, today, for the longest time, I haven't listened to Frolics in the Park. Mm-hmm. I should listen to it from beginning to end. And it's still, it, you know, it's one of my least favorite Death Angels, but...
2: Mine too, but, mine too.
1: But, man, what Andy does on that album is... Dude, that kid was fucking awesome,
3: man.
2: Totally.
1: It was amazing. So, you know, you think of, man, if you got to walk into a band that he was in, man, I'm sure you had to, like, you know, learn a lot of shit. Like you did Why You Do This, you know?
2: Yeah, um, well, when, when I first jammed with them, like, I already knew, like, almost their entire catalog, cause I was a fan, you know? So I didn't really have to, like, sit around and listen to the songs or learn anything, because they were already kind of, like, ingrained in me, because I, I grew up listening to them. So uh, that was that was the easy part, because I already knew the arrangements, and I already knew the songs. So, yeah, but learning all his uh, his drum fills and all the little tricks he does on all three of those albums, yeah, it was it was hard. For sure,
0: guys. But, but but that's a, a, amazing though because you you joined a band where you replaced a very beloved member of the band, mm-hmm. and and they've carried on seamlessly. I mean I mean you guys are doing some of the best Death Angel right now. You know it's not like where you know you're not Sammy Hagar you didn't fuck everything up and you know it's, <laughs> it's like you know electric Remo drum pads and shit. You come out there, you beat the shit out of the Skins, and seriously, I would put your era of Death Angel right there you, you know, with with the earlier incarnations, and, and, and they haven't missed a beat, and that's a, a testament to your drumming. No.
2: And, Thanks, man.
0: No, I mean, that's really amazing, because I was a late bloomer to Death Angel. Uh, when I was growing up, you know, I knew Borg. And I was like, oh, you know, I, you know, that that's a really cool video. I like that song, and but I, I never went full into them until really your era of the band, and then that's when I went back and, and rediscovered, you know, all the other shit. Like, God damn, why did I sleep on Death Angel? This band's amazing. But you, know, you guys it's are know, still-
2: I I hear that a lot. Like uh, people my age or our age um, tell yeah. me that they they never really tripped off a of Death Angel, and so. Like later death angel like our last three or four albums you know so that's weird how that works but uh i mean i, I think it's great that we're getting new fans you know and it's not just a bunch of old farts listening to death angel i mean there's new old farts listening to death Angel. <laughs> <laughs> well
0: I, I think that's a testimony to how strong these new death angel albums are and, and you're definitely one of those bands that's you know not riding on the coattails of its past you're writing new incredible thrash music. Absolutely, and,
2: and absolutely not. Yeah, like uh, that's that's a, a motivating factor for Mark uh, Ozogeda and Rob Cavastani to not just rely on our past or on the band's past and uh, they are constantly looking or thinking about the future and how we can be heavier and, and more creative and just touring more and just whatever. Like they're very focused on the future of Death Angel. Not that they don't Respect the past. They love their past and everything, but uh, yeah, some bands do like rely on just playing the old songs and, and maybe just doing one new song during a tour. But like we we do half and half. We always try to do at least three songs from our new album, but usually four or five because people want to hear it, you know. So it's it's awesome. It's awesome. You well,
1: know, I, I, another I, another part I, I noticed the trajectory of Deaf Angel, how they became. It spiked. A lot of popularity happened to them uh, both times that Thrasher Eye opened for them.
2: Yeah, do you remember what tours those were?
1: Uh, one was um, Relentless and the other one was the Ultraviolence where he did oh. the Ultraviolence album.
2: 45 25 anniversary, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, Thrasher, you, you guys got to thank Thrasher Die on the next uh,
2: album. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, well, uh, yeah, go ahead, Ian.
0: Well, I was going to say, uh besides death angel you're also a very busy man uh i see here on your resume you have hammers of misfortune is that something stuff
2: yeah i was uh i uh recorded their last album from 2016 called uh dead revolution and i did some touring with them i was in them from like maybe 2012 to like early this year um they just recorded a new album with a, a different drummer, the guy from uh, uh, what's that voivod type of thrash band, uh, Vector. The guy from Vector.
1: Love uh, that band, man.
2: Yeah, the killer band. He's a killer drummer, dude. Like the new uh, Misfortune Fortune uh, is is, a, is very different than the stuff I was doing with them. Uh, when I was the album I recorded and and the two albums prior to me joining were rooted in like very Deep Purple. 70s prog meets kind of like Metallica, old Metallica, or Barrier Area thrash sound a little bit, but definitely like heavy on the, the psych and the organ and and progressive 70s proto-metal is I guess is what you call it. But uh, this new stuff is a completely different sound. It sounds like Vector, actually. It's very, very fast and frenetic and... Um, it just sounds like a different band. And, you know, like they, when John sent me the song earlier in the year to, you know, see if I would consider recording another album, um, I just, I'm already in a couple of really fast bands as it is. And that's what was appealing about Hammer's Misfortune uh, for me because it was so different than anything else I was doing with Death Angel or whatever band. And I just like the whole melodic prog vibe of their last three or four albums. so um with, with that said, their new stuff is fucking crushing and it's amazing, but it's just not the Hammers of I signed up to, to play with it's a completely different animal and the guy from Vector is a perfect fit for what they're doing now. So that album should be coming out in Metal Blade uh, early next year or mid next year. so I'm looking forward to hearing it for sure man And I'm still awesome, awesome. I, and I'm still great friends with all of them like it wasn't a, any kind of like acrimonious split or anything like that.
1: Right. Oh, I mean, um, you
2: have you have an EP out now, right? Yeah. From another- yeah uh, one of my old bands, uh, Scarecrow, uh, has reactivated, and we just put out an EP on Relapse Records called "Raise the Death's Head." And three songs, complete Metallica worship, uh, kind of like the Justice for All era Metallica worship. And we were a band that were around in like two thousand seven, eight, and nine. And uh, it features me on drums, Damien from Death Angel on bass and Matt Harvey uh, from Exhumed on vocals and rhythm guitar and lead guitars by Bud Burke, who used to be in Exhumed for many years. So it's two guys from Death Angel, two guys from Exhumed. And uh, yeah, we were around back in like the late 2000s, played tons of shows, did a, uh, a West Coast tour and put out like a split album with a, a band called Landmine Marathon. And that recording didn't really turn out very well, so we were never happy with it. So all these years later, we have all these killer songs and we had enough. We have, we have enough for a full length. We're gonna record a full length uh, in the early next year. So but all these songs were written like 12 years ago. So uh, it was a shame that we never got to record them. Uh, and the, the stuff that was out didn't sound very, very good. So we uh, Matt, Matt and I just thought it was a good idea with all this downtime everyone's having to reactivate scarecrow so i went down to san luis obispo that's where matt lives and i recorded the drum tracks over a weekend and uh it's doing well i mean it's on a lot of lists of best uh releases of 2021 so i'm, I'm stoked right on awesome and then you also uh a band you're involved with is the old granddad yeah that's another old band of mine that dates back to 1994 and um We've been together off and on ever since then. Like, we, uh, we'll take a few years off here and there and then do a handful of shows. And we put out a new album in 2019, self-titled album. And then a few months ago, we reissued our first two releases, volume 666 and OGDEP, on a double uh, you know, gatefold vinyl. First time we were ever on vinyl, which is kind of weird for the kind of band we are. Like We're like a sludgy... Like sometimes death metally, sometimes crusty, whole uh, Sabbath and Pink Floyd worship, psychedelic trippy band. We're a weird band, but usually like weird bands like us are only on vinyl. You know? So it's <laughs> kind of weird. We never got around to putting out uh, any releases on, on wax. So we figured it was a good time to finally do it and it's selling well. So uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we'll be doing some gigs again in the near future.
0: Uh, and something else I was surprised to see, and uh, you know I'm going to get into this in a little bit of you know stuff you find on the internet. Uh, were you involved in Machine Head for
2: a while? I saw. Yeah, him Machine yeah, Head. I did their. Uh, I drummed for them on their first headlining U.S. tour. It was the last tour they did for the Burn My Eyes cycle, and it was a long fucking tour, dude. I think it was like 11 weeks or 12 weeks. It was really long. We played every. Nook and cranny of the U.S. you could possibly imagine. I think and we I, were in, we were in Florida. For I like saw it. A, we I
1: were in Florida
2: it. for like a week. We played like seven shows in Florida or some shit. I
1: I, re, I was at one of them and I I, I remember well. Uh, Stuck Mojo opened.
2: Yep,
0: that's right.
1: That's I, I saw so,
0: that tour. So you you were the guy that originally
2: replaced Chris Canto's then, huh? Actually, that's not true. There was a guy between oh, okay. between Chris and I. That went to Australia with them, and he did like maybe three or four shows. And he did one show in LA with them. This dude named Walter. Um, I think he actually drums for DRI now. Um, but yeah, yeah, he lasted for like a week or whatever, and it didn't work out for whatever reason. And when they got back from Australia, they already had this uh, headlining tour scheduled within like like less than a week, or like maybe like eight days or something. So they got back to the to the Bay Area and put the word out. And someone reached out to me and said, "Look, man, Machine Head's looking for a drummer to do their their U.S. tour like that's next week or whatever." So, um, you know, I, I I wasn't really a Machine Head fan and I didn't moment burn my eyes. And I'd seen them live a shit ton of times because um, uh, you know, being from the Bay Area, they played all the time before they became huge. And uh, I, I didn't dislike them, but I didn't have the album burn my eyes, so. I I didn't know it that well. I just knew Davidian and, and Old, the, the, the two video songs. I didn't really know anything else. <coughs> so I lied to the guy and said, "Oh yeah, I mean I know that album like, <laughs> no one's <it's> business." <laughs> and uh, I called up I think I called him Ted Aguilar, and, I, and told him because Ted was a huge Machine Head fan at the time. and still is. And uh, I uh, I was like, dude, I have a I have a chance to audition for Machine Head. Can I borrow uh, your burn in my highest? I think I borrowed his <laughs> copy, and I stayed up all night and air drummed in my living room, and then went to the audition the next day and, and got the gig. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. That's, and and, and
0: it, it just goes to show what a what a nice and patient you are because you worked with not only Rob Flynn but Michael Butler, so <laughs> you must have
1: the patience. Well, dude, of think a sandwich about. Think about it. Uh, to, to go on tour with that poser Rob Flynn for 11 weeks, that's patience. And by the way, editorial, uh, Will does not uh, Will does not agree with my
2: statement. That's yeah, just I mean, I, I love Rob Flynn, man. Um, he was the coolest guy to me on that tour. Um, Logan Mater was a fucking dick to me the entire tour. I'm not saying he is a dick. But on that tour, he treated me like shit. And uh, yeah, that sucked. It made the tour suck because of his attitude towards me. Uh, and Adam Deuce was cool. You know, he's kind of a, you know, a very intimidating guy. This is my first tour, too. I've never been on tour before. And here I am doing, like, an 11-week tour, playing every night. The the, the most nights I've played consecutive, consecutively up until this tour was probably three. I never played more than three shows in a row. And I think the first run was a nine-show run or something. And I was like, whoa, man, this is yeah. I, I, I was I was thrown into the fire big time and you know machine head at the time were kind of like like they had a kind of a gangster attitude a little bit like they were trying to be thuggish in their image and everything yeah. and that's so not me dude so like it's it, it was clear like by the second week that I was gonna be continuing on with machine head uh after the tour uh but with that said rob clinton like even though we both knew it was not gonna work out he was still hella cool to me i love touring with the guy and I'm friends with him to this day. I've I, I, I a good friendship ever since then. And, um, but yeah, like, there are some funny things on that tour, like like they finally, like after like five or six shows, like Rob was like, okay, like, like I get it. You're not, you're not, you're not into the whole, like the thug look or whatever, but could you please stop wearing Star Wars shirts on stage? <laughs> like, all right, all right, dude. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, man. but you know that had to be you know good practice for playing with this last band I want to talk about and that is the ACDC tribute band AC/DC's
3: uh-huh. that you
0: play with, uh, featuring Zetro uh, and, and amazing by the way I, I've seen lots of live footage you guys playing and, and that's amazing but uh yeah. oh uh and so, 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 did did Logan matter? Uh, help you uh, deal with people like Michael
2: Butler? <laughs> so, here's here's my question to you. Well, uh, what's what's the the rift between you and Mike Butler?
0: Oh God! Uh,
2: this goes back to the very
0: first Rockin' Pod, and at the time, uh, Michael Butler has is supposed to be. Uh, you know, one of the innovators of podcasting. He had one way back in the day, and I was curious to meet him because I'm one of two people who bought Exodus Force of habit. Who <laughs> was the other guy? Yeah, and uh, you know, so I was like, oh, I want to meet this guy, man. I'm, I'm like, I like that album. It gets a lot of shit, but I like it. And man, this guy, I, 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 I know you play with him. I, I know he's a
2: friend of yours. What? Well, a- let's, not, let's not get. Let's not go too far.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what an asshole this guy had a fucking attitude and a fucking, like, you know, I'm a rock star here amongst you humps. And I'm like, bitch, only me and Ralph know who the fuck you are. Yeah, you no, know, and, and, you know you're, you're
1: leaving out an important part. You're leaving out an important part. He was causing a hissy fit because of the table they gave him, which was no different oh, than yeah. everybody's table.
0: We well, all had what, the same what, type of table. Well, he showed up He showed up way late, like pulled some total rockstar shit, showed up way later than everybody else, and then bitched because he didn't have enough of a rockstar table. And then, you know, we were doing, this was at the beginning of Rocket Pod. We were, we were all doing stuff to raise money. And Ralph and I raised a shit ton through our audience. Uh-huh. And what we were doing is we were telling the fans, buy your own episode. You know, for for 40 bucks, you can pick the album. For 60 bucks, you co-host the album. Uh, You know, the the episode with us. And we wanted to do something that was, you know, affordable and and something that the fans would love. You know, you can be part of the show. You know, Mm -hmm. Ralph and I are just music. Well, Ralph's a rock star, but you know, me. I'm (laughs) just an asshole with a mic. You know, we're no better than you. You become part of the show. People loved it, and yeah, we but, made a ton of money. But Ian, for, I'm for
1: not, life. I'm not, I'm not a rock star like you know, um, uh, Michael Butler. Because I agreed to do a show with you.
0: Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I mean, you're hard up, but you're a rock star.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but
0: but uh, Michael Butler's thing to raise money for this, and actually, you know, we raised the money that paid for him to get there. His thing was, if you pay a hundred dollars, I will have lunch with you. Whoa, and, really? And, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and I guess two people did that. <laughs> you know, but it's like, you know this guy. Would you pay 100 bucks <laughs> to fucking <laughs> eat McDonald's with this fucking hump? And and you would have to pay with, for the meal, too. And well,
2: then, I, you, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> uh, you know, to add insult to injury, uh, he had another, at the time, famous uh, podcast host on his show while we were doing our live show. And they just insulted us. And there was plenty of other shows there that aren't our particular back, not our style. Right. But to us, it, you know, it was a brother, hey, we're all doing a show here. Some some shows are different than others. Just like, you know, you play with other bands, it might not be your bag. But, you know, you all have a common goal you're trying to achieve. Right. And he, he started talking shit about us. And then he got this nickname at the event, Michael Butthurt.
1: Well, no, that yeah. Well, uh, let me let me clarify that because uh, I had a conversation with Michael Butler afterwards uh, when he threatened to kick your ass, but he thought you were me, right. and he he described you as wait, He said that's the guy that made the was it Twitter? I think it was Twitter. The Twitter account of Michael Butler. And what it was, Michael Butthurt was a, a, a name I came up with during our show, after the event. And somebody that listened to our show, that we both know who it is, I'm still not going to give the guy up. But I thought it was fucked up, because not only did this guy make a Twitter account as Michael Butthurt, but he was posting videos that I put up on my YouTube page to make it look like it was me, you know, because I came up with the work. So I explained it to, to Michael Butthurt. And I said, Look, that wasn't me and I even told him who it was. And then he said, All right, man, everything's cool. And then I related to Ian. I said, Ian, you know, Buckle Butler said, everything's cool and everything. And Ian's like, Fuck him. I'm gonna still talk about it." Alright, that's you, you know. I ain't gonna censor Ian. So- yeah, no,
0: it was he, he kept it going. And the thing was, the first two years, Ralph and I paid for all these other podcasts to attend this event. We,
1: dude, I'm serious, Will. We raised enough money to get all the podcasts, plane fare
0: and hotel wow. stay.
1: That's how much money right. we raised.
0: Yeah. We we raised a shit ton of money. We kept nothing for ourselves. Uh I mean, we got our airfare and our hotel, but we kept nothing for spending money. Everything else went into the event, went to pay for other podcasters, you know, for their airfare, for their for their hotel fare. Uh-huh. And, and, and to the event itself and we did this very selfishly but we did something that nobody else did we gave people what they really wanted we let them become part of the show people love to hear their name people love to be part of something they they, they feel more attached to it you know and then you got fucking Michael butter yeah for a hundred bucks I'll, I'll, I'll fucking eat Mickey D's with you and then he talked shit about us for two years and I had nothing against the guy. In fact, I stood up for him. And said, "Hey, I love that album he played on that everybody thinks sucks." You know, but he kept talking yeah, shit. Know.
2: I just want to say, like, this is how well I know Mike. Uh, this is the first time ever hearing about him having a podcaster, being some <laughs> kind of podcast guru. I, I, I don't, I never even heard about this until just now. So I barely know the guy. <laughs> yeah, he just hey, plays man. in the band. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not trying to drag you into the middle of this by any means. This is,
0: you know, our beef or particularly my beef with the guy. Right. Uh, you know, it's just like, hey, man, I never did dick to you. And you're going to talk shit about me. And he said on one of his podcasts, oh, I'll, see, I'll kick his fucking ass. I, I mean, you've seen this guy in person. This motherfucker would have to jump off a six-foot ladder to kick me in the shin. <laughs> and, and you know, and I and I'm not a tall guy. I mean, this guy looks like a Eddie Munster fucked a Hasidic rabbi. You know, and, and he's gonna what my ass. Get the fuck out of here. You know, and yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not a tough guy. I'm gonna beat your ass and shit. But but I will tell you, I'm a better fucking podcaster and I'm a lot funnier. But enough about this guy. We're we're, yeah. we're here talking about Will Carroll. All right. Will Carroll. <laughs> you know. Uh, you know. And I was so excited to have you on the show. And you know, I already knew your incredible uh, catalog with Death Angel because when I told you, that's when I really got back into the band. So I'm like, I gotta find some more out about this guy. And I'm looking you up, and then I realize uh, we are two days short of a year of having the same birthday. So we're we're, we're right about the same age, you know. We're both Tauruses, you know. Uh, we, we we both love the Oakland Raiders. Shut up. Uh, you know,
2: we have a lot in common. You know, oh, so your birthday's May 11th. Yep, May 11th,
0: 1974. You're May 13th, 1973. So we're from the same era. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and, and so I, I go on Wikipedia to look you up because i like, I always want to do a Wikipedia fact and fiction. You know, so many people rip off our show, but only the shitty parts. You know, I'm <laughs> like, I'm gonna rip off some other shit off the internet. This Wikipedia fact or fiction shit. So I go on Wikipedia, I look up Death Angel, and, and of course, you know, there, there's stuff about the great Will Carroll, but they don't have, like, their own particular page for you, so I search the dark web, <laughs> and, and and I found out all this shit, but I need to know if it's true or not. So if you okay. don't mind, I, I got seven questions. I'd like to do a Will Carroll, you know, uh, I couldn't find on Wikipedia, I went to Wackapedia. This is yeah. on a dark web.
1: It's dark and, and I, Dark Web dark Fact of Fiction.
0: Yeah. All right. So, so I'm going to ask you these questions and find out if it's true or not, because I want the audience to know the real Will Carroll.
3: Okay.
1: Yeah, because so,
0: all our audience goes in the Dark Web. So, <laughs> all, right, all right. We'll, we'll start off. Let, let, let's see if they got the facts right. Uh, your real name is William Bertram, Bertram Carroll, born... May thirteenth, nineteen seventy-three. Your father is King Diamond, and your mother is the Great Cat.
2: Is that true? One hundred percent. Okay. All
0: right. All hey, right, dude. I didn't know that. That, that makes that, that makes me feel better about this. These next seven questions. All, all right. right. First one. After your famous battle with COVID that was all over the internet, uh, when you awoke from the coma, you said. I would rather go through COVID nineteen and twenty than sit next to Michael Butler on a tour bus.
2: <laughs> Fact or fiction? Well, you know, uh, I, I I don't see a, a situation ever arising where him and I would be sharing a tour bus. I don't I don't think ACDC is ever going to go on tour. So, uh, but yeah, I, I uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> next question. All right. All right. Hey yeah, uh, next
0: next question. Next question. Okay. Fact or fiction. That you were replaced for several AC DC shows by former AC DC drummer Simon Wright when you hurt your back putting Michael Butler into a car seat to go on tour.
2: <laughs> you know, I've I've met Simon Wright. You guys ever meet Simon Wright? No. No. Super cool guy, man. He he likes his drink. Uh, both times I met him, he seemed pretty buzzed, but uh, he's hella cool, man, and I actually thought he was a great replacement for uh, Phil Rudd, and I think it's bullshit that they didn't ask him back into the band when Phil Rudd was out, like, whoever they got. They got Chris Slade back, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not a fan of Chris Slade in ACDC. He's a good drummer, but I just, he just didn't seem like the right fit. I wish they would have gotten Simon Wright back. He's a great fucking drummer. Oh.
0: Here at the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, we wish they would asked you. You know, yeah. it, it, it,
2: that would have been it, it amazing. <laughs>
0: All right, next next story, next story. All right, uh, ACDC's your your cover band. Uh, handpick Michael Butler. That way, you only have to split the groupies
2: four ways. <laughs> <laughs> True, true story. <laughs> uh, i i could not tell you <laughs> okay all right all right next question all right
0: next next question next question um uh, you gave michael butler the nickname anus young because he's such an asshole in the acdc tribute band uh that you character. know
2: our our Angus Young though is is fucking incredible, man. That right,
0: right, right, right. But you call you call Michael Butler anus young. Sure thing. Okay, <laughs> all right. No, that was
2: right. that one's truly
0: Okay, okay. Next next story. question. Next question. Uh, and as uh, people may or may not know, you are very influential in the Bay Area thrash scene, and in, in the late '90s, you were able. To convince uh Bailoff to go back to exodus once you assured him michael butler was no longer in the band
2: <laughs> you know i i actually do have history with, with with mike uh we were in a band together uh in the 90s called uh mind zone total fucking pantera rip off him pretty much but uh uh that band Mindzone, the two main members were originally in a band called Jetboy. Remember that glam rock band? Ah, yeah, 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 Feel yeah. So, so you know, when the whole music, musical landscape shifted in the early to mid 90s, they and glam wasn't popular anymore. Uh, these two guys uh, decided to form a heavier band, kind of Pantera esque. And uh, I'm not quite sure why I joined them because uh, I wasn't really into the Pantera back then and. Uh, uh, nothing against people who are. I'm not saying they're a bad band, but it was, I was more into metal at the time, so I can't really remember why I decided to jam with Mind Zone for a year or so. But uh, yeah, it's just funny that I've been. I mean, I've been in two bands with with, uh, with Mike, and I don't really know the guy at all. I've never really spent time with him, and uh, I'm, I'm 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 okay with that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Well, next question. Uh, uh, it says here. That a very drunk Zetro put you in charge of uh, p- placing an ad to find the bass player for AC/DCs, And while yourself was very drunk, placed an ad that said, we're looking for somebody with the musicality of Bobby Dahl and the likability of Kevin DeBro." <laughs> <laughs> um
2: Yeah, so that that story's bullshit right from the first couple words because I've never seen a drunk Zetro. I would love to see Zetro drunk. That would be hilarious because he's a funny fucking guy uh, without the alcohol. I can imagine uh, after a few cocktails, uh, listening to him go off on his rants. He's funny as hell. So I would love to see Zetro drunk one of these days. (laughs) Okay.
0: All right. Well, our our, our last question here. And – it shows that you know not only are you you know such an important figure in the Bay Area thrash scene, uh, but you're also very active on social media, and that you created a very popular movement on social media when a co-host asked you, uh, or, or said to you, said, Michael Butler's an asshole, and you said, hashtag me
2: too. <laughs> created you, know, you know, here's a funny me too story. Movie. Um, there's this laundromat in uh, the south of market area of San Francisco called the Brainwash and back in the 90's um, they used to have shows in there like uh, acoustic shows and small scale shows nothing like a not a full on band or anything like that Uh, they had a bar in there too and pinball machines it was a pretty unique uh, laundromat but they would have like uh, artists play in there from time to time And I remember, this is a true story. I remember walking down Folsom Street, It's the the, the laundromat on Folsom Street. It was like 9 o'clock at night or something, like just like in the the mid-90s, late-90s. I'm walking down Folsom Street. I walk by the Brainwash, and I hear music in there. And I look in the window. There's windows all along the outside of it. I looked in the window, and it's Mike Butler playing acoustic music. And I swear to God, I swear to God, he was singing a song called I'm an Asshole. I am not making this up. I am not making this up.
3: Well, I remember,
2: I, I remember this like homeless dude. This homeless dude is standing outside, like, like <laughs> listening to the song, and, and he was singing along. Like his bum was going, "I'm an asshole. I'm an asshole." Like well, I heard this name.
0: His nickname is the asshole from the Castro. So, uh, I believe it. But uh, that- enough about that. We we thank you for participating in this, and, and we do offer our deepest condolences that you have to play in a band with Michael Butthurt. But uh, uh, it is, what it bad. is. <laughs> and and uh, hey, hey, Ian,
1: after after you were done with that dark, uh, the dark web, did you like put some like you know uh, you know some antivirus in your computer? Because I think all that dark web is full of fucking viruses. Yeah, it's full of butt hurt motherfuckers. That's and and, and it's, it has actually some truth. He, uh, will said
0: some of those questions were true. So the dark one, <laughs> yeah. is pretty uh, accurate. So I, I, I'm happy to get you know the info out there. You know, take it take it as you will. Some of it was true, some of it wasn't. But will, we want to thank you for being a great sport and uh, participating. No problem. But let's let's get to the reason why why we're here, and I'm so excited this is an album that has been requested on our Facebook page previously and, and when Ralph told me that you were a, a uh, Blue Oyster Cult fan I was like oh fuck yeah yeah get this guy on here so he you know not only can he bend his hatred for Michael Butler but he can talk about his love for Blue Oyster Cult so how did you discover Blue Oyster Cult and uh, the album we're gonna talk about Cultasaurus Erectus
2: Okay, and for the record, I just want to make it clear that I don't hate Mike Butler. I, I, just, I, I don't really know the guy. I played music with him, but it doesn't go beyond that. So
1: It was great to have you on. I'll edit that part out, Will. <laughs> hey, All right, so... But, but wait, wait, uh, before you go into that, I want to say there is a similarity, not only because of the close age and the close days, but both you and Ian have the same Blois Occult tattoo on yourselves.
2: Oh, Sweet. Nice, nice. Sweet. Yep. Uh, my mine's on my wrist, on my left wrist. Where's yours?
1: I think it's upper um, arm,
2: right? Mine, mine is on my
0: right upper arm, right, right underneath my typo negative tattoo. Yep. Oh wow, you got a typo ta- tattoo. That's cool. Uh, I, I got a typo. I got a Motorhead. I got a Pantera. I got a Dio. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm a walking ad for bands
2: that I love. <laughs> Killer. I got, yeah, I got a bunch see. of band you'll logos see. as well.
0: Um,
1: awesome! Awesome! Yeah, he has a Van Halen logo that's
0: wings,
2: not rings. That's right. That's oh, right. Oh, and I got, oh. I got Priest, Creator, Voivod Twisted Sister, uh, Celtic Frost, and Kiss, um, and Coroner, and Coroner. Uh, I awesome. I have fucking like look at my body and <laughs> do a survey, and Michael and Michael Butler, and Michael yeah, Butler, yes. Yeah.
0: Well, um, I got a Michael so, Butler tattoo where my butthole opens up. Looks just <laughs> like him. A fucking asshole. Uh, anyway, yeah, let's talk about Blue Cole.
2: Um, so I'm I'm kind of a late late bloomer with BOC. Uh, I didn't get into them until maybe 15 years ago, and um, I actually used to make fun of them. I used to make fun of people who liked who were fans of them. I thought I, I, for some reason their their music just didn't click with me. For whatever reason, like maybe I was just like immature and my, my musical taste didn't need to be uh, refined and, and just I had to grow up a little to understand it. I don't know, but I just, when I was a kid, I just never gave him a time of day. And this album cover and album in particular, Cult of Soros Erectus, was my, usually my main target. I used to like bring up that album cover and the, the, the album title and just make fun of it for whatever reason. But then like, like 15 years ago, uh, Damien from Death Angel, when we were playing Scarecrow together, um, he gave me <clears throat> he gave me a copy of uh, Secret Treaties, a vinyl copy. He had a spare copy. And he was like, dude, I, I think you'll, you'll like this album. You should check it out. And that was it, dude. After listening to that from beginning to end, I, I just felt like such a fool. And I was just so misguided. And I just wasted so many prime years of my life not listening to BOC. I was really bad at myself, actually. But, uh, yeah, I fell in love with them just from Secret Treaties and you know i just started buying all their albums and i'm not sure uh where along the line i got cultosaurus Erectus*. whether it was earlier or later on but um this is definitely in my top three uh boc albums for sure for sure
3: wow right
2: on Ralph.
1: yeah um well no i i got well we discussed this because we did an episode for so um ages of fortune and 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 i came up with this um why we feel like Boys of Cult is not as big as they should be is because every that's the album that sold the most, and uh, you know because you know Don't Fear the Reaper, and then when people bought it, you know it's you know it's a good album, but it's not one of their best, and it's so out there that it's hard to digest, and that was my first BOC.
2: So Dude, I it's it's like one of their weirdest albums. I mean, yeah, not very consistent, yeah. and there's a couple of songs that are just kind of like, eh, you know, like not that great. You know what I mean? Uh, oh man. What was the name of that last song on there? Ooh. Debbie Denise. I, yeah. Whoo. that definitely, that's one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so uh, that was my first one. So yeah, I was not really, you know, uh, but I didn't last as long as well because it was just a year or two later that this album came out and I bought it cause I liked the Marshall Plan, you know, when I saw the video for it. So I bought this, I bought the vinyl and it's my first Blois de album other than Agents of Fortune. And this is what got me into them. You know, I was like, God, this sounds like from beginning to end, except for one song. Um, it's just fucking amazing, you know? So, yeah. And it's just so fucking weird, but I love it. You know, I just love the fuck. I'll talk about how much I love it because for the longest time, Fire's Unknown Origin was my favorite. Then it was Secret Treaties. Now it's this.
2: You know, those, I'm just... are, those are my top three, and uh, they kind of like they're kind of all like uh, interchangeable for which ones number one. But yeah, those are the three albums I love as well. And Specters is a close number four.
1: Oh yeah, Specters is amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, so I saw them live on the Fires tour twice. Uh, where the first one was, uh, it was Heart headlining. It was at the Miami Baseball Stadium. Heart headlining, Cult, Firefall, and the opening act, Motorhead. The very first Motorhead show in the United States was at the Miami Baseball Stadium. And uh, I did ask Lemmy about that. I said, Lemmy, do you remember your first show in the U.S. at the Miami Baseball Stadium? He said, that wasn't my first show. I was here with Hawkwind. But yeah, it was Motorhead's first show. So yeah, he did remember that. And then I saw them at the hollywood sport tournament with fog hat and mtv was there and filmed the whole fucking set both shows and i have them both on dvd so it's awesome to have this what's the cult show i was at professionally shot even you know i mean especially fire and unknown origins tour. i mean how cool is that
2: yeah yeah um so when you saw motorhead were you already familiar with them or that was, no was, oh no wow.
1: you know what happened was the week of the show on the, on the radio, they gave a commercial that was like 30 seconds of them playing Ace of Spades because that was their new album at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and you hear 10 seconds of Ace of Spades, new Motorhead, uh, Motorhead's new album, Ace of Spades, performing at the Miami Baseball Stadium. I listened to those 10 seconds. I told my friends, we got to get there early. This shit yeah. sounds great. You know, I was like, that's, yeah, a, yeah, that's yeah. the shit. So when we saw, when Motorhead came out, dude, the whole stadium was sitting down while they played, except for two dudes I'll never forget I had two long-haired dudes without their shirts on going fucking nuts, and it turns out those two dudes were from England, and Motorhead was huge at England at that point.
2: You know, I, so. thought, you, I thought you were going to say those two dudes were James Hetfield and Lars Ulrich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. but Lars Ulrich would say that. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, so but going back to boys Call, yeah, I became fanatical to the, So then I just went back. I bought everything up to uh, Revelations. And then I just stop. I mean, now I own them all.
2: But revelation? What, what, what's Revelation?
1: I mean, re- a Revolution at night. I'm sorry.
2: Oh, yeah. I was like, say, holy shit, is there an album I don't know about? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's the one that, like, I, I we discussed this, because Will and I did a, what's it called, discography on my podcast. And we discussed that. Dude, Take Me Away, it's like my favorite was cool song but i just can't get into the rest you like some other songs
2: on there i like a lot of songs on that album
1: yeah uh i just i just gave up at that point and and honestly i didn't get back into you know like newer blc till the new one but when i heard symbol remains and that's the first time i heard um what's the one when i see you in black
0: um uh heaven forbid
1: what a great fucking album that is
2: totally i remember I remember when that album came out, uh, Heaven Forbid, and um, a friend of mine owned a drum shop in San Francisco, Sam Adano's Drum Shop. It's not there anymore, but a uh, great drummer. And anyways, uh, I went into his store, and he was playing uh, the new BOC at the time, Heaven Forbid, and I was like, whoa, this sounds good. Who is this? It was heavy. I was like, who, who is this? Is, is this the new Blue Ways for Colt? I was like, what? I was like, totally shocked. And I think Bobby Rondinelli was playing drums. Yeah, that. Um, yeah. And, it, yeah, it sounded really good. And then, like, you know, 10 years later or however long it was after they put out uh, Curse of the Hidden Mirror, and I was that album sucked, I thought. Yeah, uh, I didn't like uh, it. Uh, terrible. Yeah. But, yeah, Heaven Forbid is a great album.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, I've said this before on the show, I can't remember a time without Bloister Cult because my father was such a huge fan and uh, my father was a drummer and he was in a big band in our hometown and he was responsible for bringing bands uh you know i pretty much grew up an hour south of chicago and when he was young he was in charge of picking bands that would play our town and after he heard the debut album he's like you got to get this band blue oyster cold out of new york and they played the ymca in my hometown on on the first tour wow he was he was a huge fan uh you know had all the records he had the the voc belt buckle you know with the chronos logo mm-hmm. that my mom threw away because she thought it was satanic oh uh, man but, yeah i know i know right and but but cultosaurus erectus was was important because i was six when it came out and i remember my dad coming home from the record store with with the album and i was just fascinated with the album cover Mm -hmm. You know, with the dinosaur. You know, at six years old, I thought it was pretty fucking cool, and I still do. Um, Yeah, yeah, I love it
2: now, totally.
0: Yeah, I I was like, what the fuck is this? You know, and you flip it over, and it would show the eggs and the kids and everything. And it was just scary, creepy music, but I was attracted to it. Mm -hmm. Not only because, you know, know, everybody worships their dad, what they fucking play, but there was just a scariness to it that, that I was drawn to. You know, I loved horror movies from a young age. I loved sci-fi so it was definitely within my wheelhouse Mm -hmm. and uh so this album if nothing else you know is important from that like my first memory other than probably hearing you know of course don't fear the reaper and godzilla was just like staring you know when you're a little kid and you hold a vinyl it's so fucking big you know the the artwork is so beautiful and huge to you and I was just like, wow, this is awesome. And you know, my dad of course played the shit out of it. Um, so, I mean, they've just been, I, I've never ever in my life not been a BOC fan. And when I could finally go see him, when, when I did, uh, I think it was 96, 97, it was incredible. I'm singing every song, you know, I got to interview Buck Dharma, uh, Sweet. a year ago. And, and it was just amazing. I told them how I got kicked out of my very first Blue Oyster Cult show for getting on stage. <laughs> and uh, just, uh, I, I love this fucking band. I love that, you know, they're kind of getting their due now. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's sad when you look back and you see how, you know, people know Blue Oyster Cult, they respect them. Uh, you know, what a big touring act they were. But it, it never translated into record sales. And you know, now they're getting that respect, especially with the new album, which I think is stellar. And I oh, love yeah, it. I
3: it's
2: great.
0: To me, it is a is a true return to form of, of the BOC sound. But um uh, but fuck it. We're here to talk about nineteen eighties cultosaurus survival practice. Well you are a very special guest.
2: Why don't you take the, the opening track, Black Blade? Uh this is in my top top three favorite blue extra cult songs uh and there's two uh, two songs on this album that are in my top five favorite blue extra cult songs the black blade would be in my top three um i don't even know where to start with this song it's just every every passage is fucking amazing man and they still play it live like kind of regularly like, like the last couple of times i've seen them they played it live and i don't know why they do this nowadays but they cut out a, a section of the song now when they play it live. They, they cut out the the kind of mellow breakdown part uh, with the keyboard going... Yeah.
3: Wah,
2: wah, that part. They cut that section out. I, I don't I don't understand it. I mean, it's not like a, a very challenging part to play. And it's not that long either. Like, so I don't know why they do that. But anyways, I love this fucking song. I love the lyrics uh, based on the, a Michael Moorcock uh, character. And... I love Dungeons & Dragons type of stuff, so um, everything about this song is right up my alley and when the Black Blade starts talking at the end of the song, it it just gives me chills, man. It's just, it's sci-fi, like sci-fi metal or sci-fi rock at its fucking best, man. At its absolute best. Yeah. Um, Ralph, what do you think?
1: Yeah. You know, I I didn't know that, Will, because I've never seen him play Black Blade, but when they cut out that section, do they cut out the rest of the song, like the spoken word part
2: too? No, no, it, 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 it goes right into the spoken word part. Okay. They, just, they just cut out that, that you know, it's like a, only a minute long or however long it is. It's not very long and I don't know why they keep doing it, but yeah, it's true. I, and, and I
1: love that fucking part. I, nothing should be trimmed from this song.
2: Absolutely. Um,
1: yeah, dude, I mean, it's right there, neck and neck with my favorite song, uh, Black Blade, uh, my favorite Blue Is Call song. It is the best opener on any Bloods Cult album. Yeah, it's just, yep. And it's just so fucking wacky. And and again, the mysticism, you know, look, man, I wish Don't Fear the Reaper would have been on this album instead of uh, and had these songs surrounding it. Yes. You know, take out the song I'll complain about when we get to it. Put Don't Fear the Reaper in there. And this and Bloods Cult would be huge today because yep. people would get it because Look, Don't Fear the Reaper has some wacky parts. but Yeah, imagine these people listening to Black Blade. It makes fucking, you know, Don't Fear the Reaper sound not as wacky, you know? Yeah. But it's addictive. This song is really addictive. Mm. You know, every second, every nuance, everything about this song is so, it just grips me, man. I absolutely love it, Ian. What do you think?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh Yeah. I think it's incredible, and and what a return to form for this band if you follow, you know, chronologically, because they started out with the black and white period the first time through, you know, Secret Treaty, and they were an American heavy metal hard rock band. Then they have this hit with Don't Fear the Reaper. They try to follow it up with Spectres Spectres, and, you know, Godzilla's a hit, but it's not as big. Then they try to go the polished, you know, 70s California route with Mirrors. And while I like that album, you know, it didn't translate into res- record sales. They're kind of like, well, that experiment didn't work. Let's get back to who we were. And you can tell that from the minute it opens up a Black Blade. Okay, we're going back. We're being, you know, B.O.C. at, at its heart. And definitely the production of Martin Birch helped. Oh yeah, there, there, there is a much thicker, gloomier sound to this than, you know, mirrors. And, and I'm not a Tom Worman hater like a lot of people are, uh, particularly the band ends up with him. I think he's great at what he does, but he's great polishing bands and 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 them up. And I don't think that's what you do with BOC. You keep it dark and gloomy, and and I think Martin Birch did that with this production. And it, it's just got that feel. Of, what a fucking opener. And I remember like, first starting to buy CDs and get into it. There was a greatest hits called Career Evil. Oh, yeah. This was, on, this, this was on there. And I remember buying that. It was probably the first BOC CD that I bought. And this was on there. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is on that album. You know, I was so obsessed with when I was a little kid with, with the dinosaur and shit. And and made me go back to this record, and it's a great, great fucking opener. Um, I love Eric Bloom songs as much as Buck is like you know you gotta have some Buck songs. I, I feel like Eric Bloom is the unsung hero of BOC, you know, and he's got the darker, grittier voice, and he he this song just fucking works. I mean, it's it's not quite seven minutes. But what an like epic way to open it up and say, okay, hey, yeah, we got a little poppy. We're coming back. Here we are. This is blois to Colt in the fucking eighties. Love it. Incredible opener. But then we go into monsters, which man, I it's, it's like, oh, what's my favorite track on this? Sometimes, you know, it's Black Blade. And a lot of times it's fucking monsters. I love this shit. A great Albert Bouchard track. Uh, he wrote it, but it's sung by Eric. Uh, love this one. I love the way the saxophones come into it. Uh, unlike Ralph, I, Ralph, I know you hate, you know, instruments that you blow into. I do. Uh, but but it, it works on this. I love the tempo changes. I love love that little breakdown part. You know, then it kicks in with Alan on the keys and shit. Uh, and it just has that. Eerie fucking Blue Oyster Colt vibe to it. You know, the monsters. I mean, it just fits everything that they're about. I remember the, this. Uh, it was an interview clip with Gene Simmons saying how much he loved Blue Oyster Colt, but nobody wants to buy a Blue Oyster Colt lunchbox. I did. <laughs> you know, I. I would have loved a Blue Oyster Cult lunchbox, you know, with the logo on there and some kind of eerie, weird, monster sci-fi shit. Uh, Yeah, it doesn't help that, you know, most of the guys in the band are about only an inch taller than Michael Butler, you know, and they didn't wear makeup, you know, but they had the songs to back it up, you know, and they had the weirdness and the total cool vibe, and it's all there in Monsters, and... You know, I've never seen him play either track. I've seen them four or five times, maybe six times. Never seen Black Blade or Monster played live. Uh, but man, I- I'd get up there and play air saxophone if they would do Monsters. You know, <laughs> I'd probably get kicked out again. But I love this track. I think it's absolutely awesome. Ralph, why don't you talk about Monsters?
1: Yeah, um, like I said uh, many times about the instruments you blow into. But for some weird reason i absolutely love when it comes into this because it's just so wacky it's like it's this kick-ass song with the then, and then, and then, and then, and then. then it goes into this smoky jazz bar you know two times in the middle of fucking you don't expect it coming it's one of the wackier changes that listen cold has done but i love it it's just so i love it for the bizarreness of it and the song itself, man, I love that fucking opening riff, and I, I love the, it's kind of snotty vocals, uh, kind of from, uh, uh, um, Joe, uh, and uh, or or is it Albert? I can't remember who sang this one. Was it Albert? Uh, Eric's
0: it Eric song, but Eric. Albert wrote it.
1: Oh, uh, okay, okay. Well, I love the snottiness of the of the way he sings it, and um, it figures because Eric Eric Bloom has such a menacing voice. You know, and uh, love it. I love monsters. What do you think, Will?
2: Well, I love this song too. I love um, uh, Eric Bloom sung songs. They're usually my favorite songs on the album. Uh, not to say he's my favorite singer in V.O.C. We're going to get to that in, in a little bit, but he's my favorite member of V.O.C. I, I I love the sound of his voice. He usually sings the more rockin' tunes. It seems like. And, um, yeah, I love everything about this song, except the saxophone breaks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that,
1: weird, that weird, I don't?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I love the the, the fact that BOC throws curveballs constantly, and and their, their weirdness is a part of their attraction. Uh, I just feel like these parts, though, seem like kind of forced into the song. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me why why they did it. And not just once, but twice. But... With, not, I mean, that's not enough to, for me not to like the song, though. I love the song. Uh, it's fucking amazing, and I, I love that breakdown part as well with the piano. Uh, it's just, yeah, killer killer follow-up to Black Blade, man. Like, it's a great one-two punch. Awesome.
1: Right on. What do you awesome. think of Divine Wind?
2: I I love that song, dude. Um, it's a great third track. I mean, this album is sequenced fucking perfectly, man. Um, but I, I, I dig this song, too. Eric Bloom sings this one as well, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, uh, yeah. I, I love the bluesy vibe to it. And it's very menacing and kind of doom-laden. And um, the lyrics are killer. Yeah. I, I love it, man. The first three songs. Uh, it's probably the best opening to any BOC album are these first three tracks.
1: Right on. Ian, what do you think?
0: Oh, this is an incredible fucking track. Uh this one was written by Buck, but sung by Eric, and and I love when you know bands have that ability to oh I wrote it so I'm gonna sing it. It's like okay who does this best fit? You know it's it's yep. a great track, but who would it best you know serve the band as a whole? And I think he made a smart decision by giving this one to Eric to sing, and it's pretty topical at the time because the song is really about uh, the hostages in Iran. That happened, you know, towards the end of Jimmy Carter's presidency. And, uh, you know, that's what he's talking about. You know, they they think we're the devil because the Shah of Iran was calling the United States the devil and had the hostages for how many ever days it was. And that was a big thing. You know, Carter couldn't get him out. And then fucking Reagan got in there and they were so scared of Reagan. Oh, here you go. Here you go. So it's a topical song for him. But the way it's written is just pure Blue Oyster Cult, and it's timeless. I mean, you don't even have to know about what it's based about to enjoy the song and to get the feeling and, you know, the sentiment of the song. Uh, an incredible track, and, and Will brought up a great point. It's like, one, two, three, bam! We're kicking your ass. Okay, you didn't like Mirrors? Here you go. This is B.O.C. I love it. What do you think, Ralph?
1: Yeah, I love this one, too. And like Monsters, you know, I'm not... I mean, I love, like, Hendrix and Frank Marino and this and that, but I'm not really a big blues guy. And I love this, you know, like the saxophone um, prior. It's got this bluesy vibe, but it's also dark. And uh, I'll never forget seeing Black and Blue, the movie in a midnight theater, when they played this, and that's when I realized it was about the Ayatollah. And I didn't know that, you know, but they he, he's predominant in that movie. you know. They, got, they had some guy in an Ayatollah mask. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool, and yeah, I love it. You know, if he really thinks we're the devil, we should, you know, send him to hell. Fucking awesome. Yeah, one two three punch. Actually, it's a one two three four punch because that next song, "Deadline," is fucking incredible. Uh, Like Ian said earlier, you need a little buck, and this, this is the buck shit I want on blues and cold out. It's got a a chill vibe. Great, great. vocal harmonies i like how they use the keyboards in it um it's just an incredible i absolutely love that line probably my third favorite song on the off this album uh what do you think ian
0: oh absolutely love it and yeah you're actually this is what you need right now you got to have a little bit of buck and he is such an amazing songwriter and guitar player he, he definitely has a unique sound he has this pop sensibility like there's there's very much a pop sensibility to this song but there is the overlaying darkness that keeps it boc and 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 that's what i love about it it can flirt with two different worlds you know it you know it can be easy listening you know but it's it's not christopher cross but it's definitely you know on the mellow more melodic side but it's got that eeriness it's still a dark song uh, I absolutely love it. And what a way to end side one. Not one bad track. Everyone is a home run killer. What do you think, Will?
2: Oh, well, it's my least favorite song on the album. Um, wow. But Whoa. Uh, Buck, Buck Dharma songs are usually my least favorite songs on, on every album. Um, not to say I don't love them. I love Buck Dharma songs and uh, everything. But I, I think. Eric Bloom is such a, such a superior singer to Buck Dharma that I just wish Eric Bloom sang more songs. But um, it, it's... I, it, I like the song. It's just my least favorite. On that album, there's so many great, great fucking songs This would be at the bottom of the list. But not to say I don't like it, but um, cool bass line, and you know, it, it's cool. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well,
1: well, what do you think? Well, now let's flip the album over. What do you think of Marshall Plan?
2: Um... I think I liked it when I first heard it. That was actually one of the first B.O.C. songs that uh, I, I latched on to. I got their Greatest Hits album, one of their Greatest Hits, and this was one of the songs that jumped out at me. But now that I'm more ensconced in the B.O.C. catalog, I would say this is one of their more generic songs, but it's still a good rocking tune.
0: All right, Ian? Uh... Well, I'll definitely agree with the generic aspect. I think BOC is better than this. Yeah. To me, th- th- this is a kiss song. You know, th- this is some <laughs> Simmons Stanley bullshit here. There's just a, a, a cheese factor, and I don't hate the song. I don't hate it. Uh, it's not necessarily one I would skip, but it's definitely not the first one I'd put on. It's you know a cliche rock and roll tale. Uh, yeah, it's cool they got Don Kirshner on there. That That's a cool little add to it. And, buddy, I was looking at the lyrics for this because I always thought he said, uh, yeah, baby, Cooper's playing. He's talking about going to see a show, but he says, my my favorite group is playing. But uh. I was like, cool, he's, he's talking about Alice Cooper. No, no, he's just saying my favorite group is playing. But, uh, yeah, it, it's not horrible. It's not offensive, you know. But they're, they're better than this. You,
2: you know, know, another they, thing about this song, another aspect about this song that is a, a detail that, I don't know why it gets to me for some reason, but I can't stand songs about a guy named Johnny. There's so <laughs> many fucking songs about Johnny. It's like, fuck Johnny, man. I'm sorry to hear about this guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's better than, than it was called Butler. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, uh, um, you know what, I, I mirror what you guys are saying. When when I, when I first got this album, this was my favorite song. And now it's my second to least favorite. And perfectly said, Ian, it is like, they are better than this. But it's not a bad song. It does take me back to the time. Because, you know, when I bought this, Don Kirshner was on the air. Yeah. And, and it was, uh, you know, I loved Don Kirshner Rock Concert and the Midnight Special. I would watch those constantly. And I liked it. I, you know, I was a kid. So I was like, cool, Don Kirshner and the video and the music video and stuff. But now, yeah, you know, older, listen to what we've heard already on side one. No, man, it's not even the pimple on the ass. Of it. But I will say, and I'm kind of surprised uh, but this may be my second least favorite. But holy shit, man, you actually like Hungry Boys more than Deadline
2: will. Yeah, can you believe that? I think wow. when we first, when we first, uh, when we did the the VOC catalog a year yeah. ago or whatever, I think I said this is my my least favorite song on the album and one of my least favorite VOC songs. Period. But dude, since then. I've grown to appreciate this, the, the fucking retardedness of this song. <laughs> it is so goofy. <laughs> what? It's so, it's such a goofy track, man. It sounds like, I mean, I, I said this a lot the last time. It reminds me of, uh, uh, I think I'm turning Japanese, you know, like, yeah, it's just like goofy kind of new wave or not kind of, definitely like a new wave song. Um, But, uh, I mean, this is going to sound really sappy, really sappy. But, um, I think since I've done that, since I did that BOC rundown with you, Ralph, uh, I've gotten two cats. I I got two kittens, and they both run around, and they're always eating. And and, and this song makes me think of them. I know it's so sappy, but (laughs) but, uh, I I don't know. I just uh, for some reason this song has really, really grown on me uh, in the past year. And I love uh, 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 Lanyard songs. I love the songs he writes. He writes. Very dark horse tracks like Tenderloin and just really weird songs that don't jump out at you and are very like, rarely mentioned when people talk about the best songs on an album. But uh, I, I, I like this song, man.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's wild. That's some wild stuff. Uh, Ian, what
0: do you think of Hungry Boys? Uh, well, well, first, I, I hate to be that fucking asshole, but I, I got to correct uh, Will here. Alan didn't co-write this one. He had a co-write on the Marshall Plan, but ah. "Hungry Boys" Hung, "Hungry Boys" was written by Albert Bouchard, and it's credited to him and his wife.
2: Oh, that's uh, right, that's right, Karen, that's right. Karen Bouchard,
0: who uh, they are credited as as the writers of "Monsters." And I think here's what happened. I think Albert really wrote "Monsters." But he put his wife on there, you know, to shut her the fuck up, you know, or to give her a little bit of notoriety. Uh, I I think his wife did actually write Hungry Boys, because this shit is fucking horrible. (laughs) Oh, my God. We're hungry, boys. We're hungry, boys. I mean, it sounds like a fucking... uh, uh, you know, you say you think about cats, and I love cats. Sounds like a cat food commercial. It does, totally. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 like you used to see the dogs running for the gravy train. I, I, I see pussies running for the pussy train. Exactly. And,
3: and,
0: and, and this is Albert Bouchard, you know, like, like saying to his, and I, I think his wife at the time was like a Playboy model. And it, this shit sounds like it was written by a Playboy model. Uh, Fucking. <laughs> Horrible. Oh, my God. And Al had to sing this one. You know, and I I love on Mirrors, he had a blatant ripoff of the cars with uh, You're Not the One I Was Looking For. Totally. And I love that song, and I, I think she's listed as a co-writer in that. Still don't believe it, but I think she sucked a mean dick, you know, so he added her name to it. You know, but this shows, you know, she sucked a mean at songwriting, too. Uh, Humphrey Boy's. <laughs> Oh, it's and I I love the Bashard brothers. Uh, to me, even though as much as I love the new album, and I really do, and I've loved some stuff they've done since. To me, you need the Bashard brothers there for it to truly be BOC, because uh, they added something to it. Even, you know, if when it wasn't a, a, as a singer necessarily. This one's sung by Albert, but just as a songwriter, you know, because Albert wrote Monsters. You no, know, but yeah. saying it. But he just added something to it. Uh, but who the fuck Hungry Boys. That that, that that's that's some fucking that's some poison, you know. Uh, you know. Get no, not in the front, jump in the back. Uh, you know, it it totally is of the time. it totally is of the time. The Hungry Boys song. It sounds like,
1: you know, New Wave, it sounds like... And it really does stick out like a sore thumb on this album.
2: Absolutely. And, and, and I agree with everything you guys have just said. Uh, but for some reason, I still like it.
0: <laughs> That's funny. That's a mosh. You're a 49ers fan. There's no accounting for taste. you know.
2: Yeah, there's, uh, there's no There's no rationale. <laughs> yeah. Ralph, lay into it.
1: Uh, what is it? Fallen Angel, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, uh,
1: like yeah, yeah, party. Fallen Angel. Um, I love this song, man. Who sings this one? Uh, it's one of the Bouchard guys, Joe, right? Joe does.
2: Joe, Joe Bashar sings
0: this one. I yeah. love
1: this song, man. This song is like, all right, we're back. You know, because it, it got a little wobbly there for me on the on the first two tracks. I mean, now in retrospect, when I was a kid, I thought differently. Uh, though no, I always didn't, I always disliked Hungry Boys as a kid. But Fallen Angel is, it's just a great fucking. It shows the talent of this dude you know i love his voice man he should have sang more i think mm-hmm. um, uh love it what do you think will
2: um it's become my favorite blue oyster cult song of all um, time what of all time what uh, wow yeah yeah i, I i've always liked it like even when i first started getting into him, but i never really tripped off it it's so like, you know, like the past year, I've been listening to a lot of Boister Cult in the past year with all this downtime and just sitting around in my house, like, just put on VOC endlessly. But uh, I just, yeah, he's my favorite vocalist in the band. I wish he, I wish he had two songs an album, you know. Um, I love his voice and just, I love the new wave flavor of this song as well, that it has a little bit of a new wave flavor to it. And um, just, it's just such an inspiring uh, melody. and. I, it makes me feel good. The song just lifts me up every time I hear it, and because of that, it's it's my favorite B O C song.
0: Oh well, yeah, uh, I'm I'm fucking speechless. Uh, <laughs> while, while while I do love, love Joe Bouchard and, and I wish he was in the band, uh, he is so hit or miss for me because you know, I mean he sings Hot Rails to Hell, one of my favorite fucking. Uh, or, uh, OD on life itself. I mean, some of my favorite fucking BOC songs. But he also has ones like Moon Crazy off of Mirrors. Uh-huh. And this, and this one. If it wasn't for Hungry Boys, this would be my least favorite on the album. But Hungry Boys is so, you know, irreprehensible. Uh, this would be my second least favorite song on the album. Uh, it, I can't put my finger on it there there's there's nothing like I could say that's what I hate but it's just like I know the guys in my opinion is capable of better than this and uh, it's not moon crazy bad you know or light years of love bad but uh,
2: hey, I like that song
0: <laughs> yeah yeah but uh, not a fan of this one
1: well you know Ian if you put any song after hungry boys it's gonna sound
0: somewhat decent True, true, but I'll take the next one. We get, we get Bloom back with Lips in the Hills. Um, Now this one, uh, this one surprisingly to me at least has been in and out of the set list. You know, I've got a great uh, live uh, Blu-ray that they recorded in Chicago of all places uh, where they, where they pulled this one out. it's all right to me, but it's not a standout. And this is why, you know, out of this era, a lot of people seem to go Cultosaurus, Erectus, or Fire of Unknown Origin. I'm definitely Team Fire of Unknown Origin. I love every single song on this album. But to me, this album, while I love it, you know, is very front-loaded. Side One, to me, is absolutely perfect. But then you got Marshall Planets, like, eh, It's Kiss. You know, Hungry Boys were, eh, it's piss, uh, you know, Fallen Angel, eh, and then Lips of the Hill. It's good, but it's not, I, I don't think it's good enough, you know, to say like, okay, okay we're going to make up for the last three tracks. It's just kind of, I wouldn't even call it killer filler, I'd just call it filler. Not not, not a huge fan of this one. What do you think, Will?
2: I think the song rocks, man, I, uh, I think it's placed perfectly on the album too. After, you know, Hungry Boy's Bizarreness. And then, you know, I I know that uh, Fallen Angel is not the heaviest DOC song. It's definitely on the lighter, like a feel-good type of track, which is what I love about it. And I know it's not complex, and they're capable of doing much more complex things than Fallen Angel. That's that's the reason why I like the song. But uh, I think it's a great follow-up to Fallen Angel. That album picks back up and gets more into a heavy metal type of realm. And... um, I think the song is killer, actually. And I, I I like what the song is about. According to Eric Bloom, uh, he was quoted uh, telling a fan not that long ago. A fan asked him, well, what does the song title, Lips in the Hills, mean? And he, or he said, what's the song about? And Eric Bloom said it's about breastfeeding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I like it a little bit better now. <laughs> I, I've, well, always,
1: I've always loved this one. Uh, I love that opening, crazy, you know, soloing that Buck does. It did survive the set list on Fire of Unknown Origins because I know they played it when I saw him. And uh, it's it's heavier. It's it really does pick it up. Like, well, I mean, to me, the last two songs on this album are fucking phenomenal. Yeah. And I love I love Lips on the Hill, and I love my second favorite on here after Black Blade is Unknown Tongue. Holy shit! Do I love that fucking song? It's Holy. got this almost '50s feel to it. It's got this uh, kind of like a I don't know early rock and roll feel, uh, and uh, like a like um kind of like Phil Spector Wallace Sound feel. And I just love the way uh, Eric uh, delivers this. And this is not you know your typical Eric song, where it's kind of like almost like a, a love song kind of. Well, that's what I get out of it. Uh, speak to me in, you know, many voices. I love that 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 line too. You know, what did he say? after? that speak to me in many voices uh, as all as one or something. Make like that.
0: make them all sound as one.
1: Yeah. Silent mystery. I just love it. This song is amazing, and this uh, this this album has an amazing amazing bookend. You know, black blade and unknown tongue to end it. Fucking amazing! I mean, hey, look, I love Fallen Angel. I just have a problem with Hungry Boys and Marshall Plan. I lo- I loved it at one time, so you know, it, it's just my second favorite. And now I look back at it more of a nostalgia when I was a kid, how much I loved it. But I do realize, other than Hungry Boys, it, for me, every song on this album is better. Um, I love Unknown Side. What do you think, Will?
2: I think it's a great ending to the album. Uh, it sounds like the last song on an album. VOC uh, is really good at writing closing tracks. And they always seem to tend to end the album on kind of a somber note or nothing too heavy or, or brash, you know, at the end of the album. So and this, this is a perfect example of it ending it kind of slightly low-key, but really, really, really great track. Great chorus, man. Yeah, the Speak to Me part uh, is just so catchy and the lyrics are cool. And uh, yeah, I think it's the perfect ending to the album. it's definitely not my favorite song on the album or anything like that but i think it's perfect where it's placed again the sequencing on this album is just phenomenal
0: right on ian
2: uh
0: well i do love this one and i agree with a lot of what you know both of you said i i do think it's a perfect closer and to me it feels like boc it has that eeriness and you know it's funny you know the last song is called lips in the hills but when i hear this song I think of like a cult out in the desert, you know, and like somebody speaking to them, you know, and, you know, they're waiting to hear like a, like a God's voice, in, in, you know, in an unknown tongue. And it's just very atmospheric and totally B.O.C. And, and that's was a great, what a great way to end it. And I've said this numerous times, that's the kind of song I like to end an album, a song that leaves you wanting more either you know you want to hear more of this band or you want to start the record all over again and it achieves that perfectly uh a very in my opinion a great bounce back from a spotty side too um but this album i i I love it you know that's our review this did do a lot to uh build back the reputation after mirrors at the time, they were still a, an amazing draw concert-wise, but it wasn't translating into record sales. I've I've read different reports that this is gone gold and that it didn't go gold, uh, but I'm sure it was pretty close. But I think it did restore, you know. Okay, there's still a metal band. You know, there's still BOC. People were still traveling to see them. This one was released June Fourteenth, nineteen eighty. And their first of two albums with Martin Birch. And I'll tell you what, I wish he would have stayed with them. Because I think what he did on this, he built upon even more on the next album. And if he would have, like, went back and forth between Maiden and Blue Easter Colt, I think it could have made a huge difference in their career. But instead, they went with Bruce Fairburn. And, you know, the guy is dead for a reason. He, he kills rock bands. Great rock bands. Ouch! Band. Yeah, he should have stuck with Loverboy. He killed Aerosmith, you know, he's a Bon Jovi guy. That's his wheelhouse, not BOC. Man, if they would have stayed with Martin Birch, kept Albert Bouchard, and kept that eeriness vibe, I really think it could have changed the trajectory of this band.
2: But agreed, agreed. That's,
0: that, that, that's, that's my opinion. But I'm so happy to talk about this band, you know, anytime I can talk about BOC this is an album that was requested and we get to do it with the great will Carroll. so will i want to thank you very much uh for joining us and talking about your love for boc and for this
2: album yeah it mean, was a it was a lot of fun man thanks for having me no problem you know i forgot
1: to tell will and i always forget every episode we always end our episode Will, with uh pick of the week like talk about like something that you like the people to check out um, and if you want to think about it, Ian and I will go first. If you can think about a pick of the week,
2: you know I uh, I'm a little late to the game on this album. It came out like oh, five months ago or something, but I finally picked up the latest Cannibal Corpse album. Holy shit! Man. Oh yeah,
1: it's really good. I, I like it more than fuck, the last several
2: albums they've done. Dude, it's like uh, it's like Cannibal Corpse box three. Uh, there's the first era which I, I consider like the first three albums. And then The Bleeding is kind of a transitional album. They started changing their style a little bit, like the way they go into Blast beats and everything, their, their approach to songwriting. And then when they got Corpse Grinder, that was the new Cannibal Corpse sound. And they've been going with that sound for like fucking 11 albums or however, however many albums it's been since Vile. And now this new album is like, it's like a third rebirth. It's just fucking incredible, man. Like the the addition uh, of Eric, you Can, has made a huge difference. Not that there was anything wrong with their formula before. I love all their albums, man. They're on a roll, but this is like just has a new level of brilliance to it. And like Eric Hutan like wrote like I think three songs just by himself on this album. So they had a lot of faith in him. And you know he he's produced a few of their albums already. So they've already worked with him, and you know and he has a good pedigree, like a good history being a Morbid Angel and Hate Eternal. <clears throat> so dude, I always. I I was blown away by some of the songs on this new album, man. Like, it's just like they're totally reborn.
1: Nice. You have a pick
0: again? Actually, I got two picks. Uh, my first pick of the week would be that AC/DC's pick a new bass player. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, can't, it can't be too hard to replace Michael Butler.
2: I gotta uh, get that. Yeah, he's actually, actually he's actually our like sixth bass player. We've
0: had quite a few. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'd hate to see the other five. Um, But, uh, no, uh, Pick of the Week, I, I think an album people should not sleep on. And, uh, you know, I know this is going to be, like, lip service and sucking your dick. But, hey, that's what I do. Check out the new Death Angel live album, The Bastard Tracks.
3: Oh, yeah, and, right
0: on. And, and what, I, what I do love about this is it's not... You know just your standard run-of-the-mill I love that you picked different songs you know like mm-hmm. lesser-played songs and shit and right. I think that's what makes it unique you know there's there's a lot of bands right now that are you know like anthrax comes to mind they have an album done but they're holding on to it because they don't want to release it during the pandemic you know mm-hmm. worried they can't support it while they're on tour and I get that to an extent but you know death angel is riding on just a very good momentum with you know all, all the albums released during your era will quite frankly have been solid, developing a big fan base. But you keep it going by putting this out. But it's not just a throwaway. It's like there's something special here be- because this isn't what you're going to hear on every other live album.
2: Well, yeah, can be we, a little different. That was the, the the main purpose of doing this. Just to keep our just to stay active, you know, and keep our game out there in, in one way or another, you know, since so we can't score and you know, we, we, we're still writing the new album. So it's going to be a little minute for a little while before we release a new album. Uh, so, yeah, we had to put something out there and we figured, you know, instead of just throwing together our, our normal set, you just, you know, here you go, just take this. And we wanted to make it special. So it was a lot of fun learning these songs and, challenging, quite challenging. Some of them, like, uh, why you do this, especially off of uh, Falling Through the Park. It's a pretty wacky tune, man. It goes all over the place. Uh, a lot of ups and downs and just tempo changes and just crazy drum fills. And So, yeah, that was a, a lot of fun just to, to hunker down and, and get that song right. And, like, all the other ones, too. So, from my era, as well. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm happy with the way it turned out. So
0: Oh, and, and the Black Sabbath cover. That, that's yeah, why or, I...
2: I I gotta
0: lie. I checked out right away. I was like, "Okay, man." I tell you, I, I mean, it, Death Angel is a, is a, such a tight band right now. But I, I, Mark never ceases to amaze me. That motherfucker can sing the phone book. Holy shit! I mean, at his age and to still sound like that is amazing. And I'm so looking forward to seeing you guys live. And bro, we, we got to meet up. I don't, I, you know. I can understand if Zetro don't want me backstage after I talked about his bass player, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but we, we got to meet up at the t-shirt stand or something, man, because sure, I want to shake here. I, I want to shake your hand and, and thank you, man, because you are really uh, you know you are keeping the beat alive in this band. Those are big shoes you filled and, and you filled them amazingly, man, and and I'm so looking forward to seeing you in April, brother.
2: Thanks, man. I appreciate all the kind words, man. Thank you so much.
0: Right on.
1: And, uh, well, my pick, well, before I go into my pick, um, yeah, the, the Bastard uh, tracks, I highly recommend it. Um, I I did a review on it that I put up tonight on uh, my YouTube, where where uh, Will was kind enough to join me for the review. So it was like a review of me breaking down the songs and asking Will stuff about it. And it came out yeah. really good. It's, uh, I just, well, it's, this episode ain't going to be up tonight, obviously, but I put it up on the on the tenth, December tenth, so check it out. All right. Uh my pick of the week is something that Will and I did the day before. Why well, I, I posted the day before. He wanted to do a track by track of Voivod versus Iron Maiden, uh Seven Sun versus Dimension Hatros. Well I you know I, I love Voivod. I always listen to Voivod, but Dimension Hatros, you know I, I like really listened to it the other day like on my stereo in my house most of the stuff I listen to is I'm on the I'm on the road on my iPod mm-hmm. but I, I put it on at home and my god what 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 an insane album yep I mean Dimension Hatros is so fucking awesome you know that I can't decide which one I like more Dimension or Roar those are my two favorites though I love pretty much all Voivod and that new Voivod I gotta bring up again is so good but oh, yeah. my pick of the week is Dimension Hatros it's fucking insane uh, tribal Conviction, Brain Scan, uh, Chaos Mongers. I mean, the whole album, really. It's just, it's fucking brilliant. That's my pick of the week. Voivod,
0: Dimension, Hatros. Sweet. Awesome. Well, now is when we usually go to Fan of the Week, but we're going to do something a little bit different this week, and we're going to go to Hater of the Week. <laughs> and our, our Hater of the Week is none other than Michael Butler. <laughs> and, you know, you know I, I hate to kick a man when he's down. and He might not necessarily be down, but he's just so fucking short, I think he's down. But, you know, there's a lot of people who have taught Ralph and I the, the podcasting game. Some of it positive and some of it negative. And one thing this guy showed us is how not to treat your listeners and how not to treat your fans. And I hope that all the people who have donated to this show over the years appreciate everything that Ralph and I have done because we sure as fuck appreciate everything you guys have done for us. And But we do. We have this amazing cult following, but there are so many people who hate us. And to me, that tells us we're doing something right. Because if everybody liked you... You know, you know you're doing fucking something wrong, you know. And well, unless you're Will Carroll, everybody loves Will Carroll. You know, man, <laughs> he's doing it right.
1: Yeah, but Ian, uh, yeah, I also have two fans of the week this this week on that. episode. Me and you, uh, we're fans of Will Carroll.
2: Oh, F- you, you, guys, right. you guys are too kind. <laughs> uh, but, but no, seriously, a lot
0: of fun, man. You roll with the punches, and we got to talk about the amazing Blue Easter Colt. Uh, This has been a dream episode. And again, I'm looking forward to seeing you play live. And I I hope all the the listeners, you know, if you're not familiar with the new Death Angel. But I know a lot of you are because it gets posted on our Facebook page. A lot of our listeners talk about it. And, you know, you guys should be very proud of the music you're putting out now. Because it's, it's amazing thrash. And we need that shit in 2021. We gotta keep this old school thrash going and uh we really appreciate it brother
2: thanks man thank
0: you
1: right on All right. yeah and just you know for those that don't know listen to the songs from death angel i came for blood um you know left to die there's there, i mean just listen to that stuff and tell me how you won't go out and
2: buy that shit <laughs> right on man right
0: and and one thing though I don't want to see everybody on Facebook making fun of Will for liking Hungry Boys yeah Yeah, we're not going to take that (laughs) yeah yeah he's our friend and everybody has issues leave him alone remember what me and Ian like
2: (laughs) yeah so if you
0: like this episode come back next week when Will tries to defend Moon Crazy
2: oh no no I won't go that far
0: (laughs) give it a couple beers (laughs) That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast.